evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Very, very excited to be with you on this, uh, you know, day before Thanksgiving. Uh, this Wednesday, it tends to be the busiest day in this great country. Uh, every single year, you got a lot of travel. Obviously, as we get further and further removed from uh, that terrible thing known as the pandemic, we we, we seem to obviously travel more and, and, and be around family and loved ones. So if you are one of those people, who's flying around the country or driving. We hope you're safe. Hope you're uh, going to have a great Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Great leftovers on, on Black Friday. Uh, it's going to be some fantastic stuff. This is this is undeniably one of my favorite weeks of the year. You got Thanksgiving. You got football. You got food. You got family. You got Black Friday. Now, I'm not a Black Friday shopper. It's just not it's not, it's not my DNA. Uh, you know, we got Cyber Monday now. Okay, that, that's the name of the game these days. But uh, listen, I love this week, and I love this show, and we've got a jam-packed, as packed, as loaded as as the Thanksgiving table will be with friends, family, and loved ones uh, tomorrow night. Cannot wait. Barry Grant Jr. will be stopping by in about a half hour to talk NFL, NBA, and all things revolving around the world of sports. And listen, it's Barry, so who knows where the conversation could be or at some point or another. Going get to get into things with him later. Also, carving up the context. We know every Wednesday, carving up the context. And my Steelers, thank you, merciful God, have fired Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. I will detail why they made that decision. It actually is, is worse than it might appear right off the bat when you watch the Steelers play this year and particularly play offense this year. I'll get into that. Also, I'm going to get into Bryson's best 10, my top 10 teams in the NFL going into week 12. We're at Thanksgiving. The haves continue to separate from the have-nots. Uh, also, predictions for Thanksgiving Day games and the Black Friday game at 3 p.m. Eastern on uh, on Friday between the Jets and the Dolphins. So, very excited for that. And to finish the show, usually I finish the NFL uh, season, or at least finish shows during the NFL season with predictions. But uh, this week, or at least, at least this show, the five things in sports that I am most thankful for this year. Very, very excited to get into that on today's show. But first, got to start with what was the most hyped game of the NFL season. One of the most exciting games uh, in, in general when you look at uh, the ratings, which were off the charts on ESPN and ABC. When you look at the hype, these are the last two teams of the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Eagles, in Arrowhead Stadium. No Taylor Swift, but there was a Kelsey and there was a Swift. Uh, they happened to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's another subject for another day. But the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night, 21-17. to And I'm going to start with Philly first before I move to Kansas City because the Eagles did win the game. The Eagles Eagles do have the best record in football, and certainly you could argue have an MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts. That was, you know, I, again, this is what I'm going to get to Kansas City later. A lot of folks are saying, hey, Chiefs should have won. Uh, Chiefs had multiple opportunities of the second half in Philadelphia Eagles territory, didn't cash in. Uh, Mahomes had the interception, all that. We'll, we'll get into that. It has, I, I've given up in this regard in terms of who Philly is. And I remember talking about this way back in week two. I don't know if y'all remember that week two game that beat the Minnesota Vikings. The final score, I think, was 34 to 20. It was a high scoring affair. Philadelphia blew a lead late. Minnesota tried to make it interesting, but the Eagles pulled away when it was all said and done. DeAndre Swift had a big, big night uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. It was the Eagles' first home game. And there was a lot of, oh, they don't look as good this year as last year. I said, yeah, but they know who they are. They're a great running team. Jalen Hurts off the play action. And they also know who they are in this regard. And this is going to sound so cliche. And oftentimes I roll my eyes at this, especially when it pertains to college because uh, there's such a talent gap. But it applies more in the NFL, even though I sometimes roll my eyes at it, is doggone it. 
Philly just knows how to win. It's cliche. It sounds weird. The Philadelphia Eagles know how to win football games. They should not have won on Monday Night Football. Again, you think about the fact that, again, the Chiefs had seven more first downs. The Chiefs had 98 more yards of offense. The Chiefs uh, ran uh, 20 more plays than the Philadelphia Eagles. Beat them in time of possession. We think of the Eagles as this time possession god in the NFL in terms of they build a lead, they run the football, Jalen Hurts off the play action, brotherly shove on third down, fourth down, and short, just keeping the ball away from the other team's offense. That's what they've done all season long. Lost time possession battle to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's still work for them. A.J. Brown, eight receiving yards on one catch. Jalen Hurts, a bad interception, did not uh, throw a touchdown pass this game. For the record, back to the interception, probably should have been Philadelphia's ball after the fumble, so they didn't even get officiating breaks, at least in the first half. And they won at Arrowhead Stadium. That, my friends, Bryce's best 10 later in the show, about an hour from now. Um... That is the mark of a true, forget true championship contender, but a true front runner in terms of who the best teams are in the National Football League. Listen, I do hate Philadelphia as a former Cowboys fan, current Steelers fan, and just a, somebody I, I do not, I do not like the city of Philadelphia in terms of their sports. I, I but I got to be objective. This is incredibly well, well run operation. I've always acknowledged that. Howie Roseman, general manager, Jeffrey Lurie on top as as the owner of that football team. Nick Sirianni, we we kind of we, we kind of roll our eyes out and like, oh boy, here comes the theatrics after the game, and we saw he's going to, he's going down the Kansas City uh, uh, Chiefs locker room or, or walking to the Kansas City tunnel to catch up with his players, and he's he's belting out stuff like ah, da, da, which isn't really the Philadelphia Eagles brand. Jalen Hurts, very cool, calm, reserved. Is that not the most chill guy you've ever seen in your life play in the National Football League? Love watching Jalen Hurts. Uh, but again, Jalen Hurts, as well-conducted as any quarterback in the league, you think about, uh, again, Fletcher Cox, good veteran presence. The same could be said about Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. They have vets. They have young players. Yes, the roster's talented, but there's plenty of talented rosters in the NFL. Cleveland's really talented. They're very poorly run. Pittsburgh has talent. They just fired their offensive coordinator who doesn't know how to scheme anything. It's not just about talent. It's those little margins. And again, this also may sound cliche as far as the, you know, they know how to win games, but they're kind of of that mindset like, we don't really care how we do it. Philadelphia has multiple ways to beat you. San Francisco, if they build a lead, you're done. You are not coming back on San Francisco. Good night. Go and chalk, chalk that up as an L. Move on to next week. Get your game playing ready at halftime. But if San Francisco's in a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a Mike Tyson quality where somebody gets to San Francisco's level, San Francisco's having to come back on you, uh, we have our doubts, don't we? Plenty of years in the playoffs, that's been the case with the, with the 49ers. That's been the case in the, all three of their losses this season. Dallas is great. Never seen them do it before. Same can be said about the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions. Kansas City's the defending champions. Again, more on the Chiefs later. I've not lost my faith in them to win this year's Super Bowl, but they've been outscored in the last three second halves. A little bit of a problem, and we know the receiving core is incredibly limited. All of the teams, Baltimore just lost their starting tight end for the season. Philadelphia lost theirs. They're still winning games against a great defense in Kansas City. For the record, the Eagles offensive line, which we often talk about, is the best. If it's not, if it's not the best, it's probably second to Detroit. Detroit is an awesome offensive line. But Philadelphia is not, not far off in, in that regard whatsoever. They got worked. I mean, worked. 
by that Kansas City defensive line, Chris Jones, the great Chris Jones in particular. By the way, Philadelphia, or to, to sort of uh, piggyback off this, Philadelphia, uh, uh, the, the Chiefs had four more sacks than the Eagles did in this game. Still one. Jalen Hurts, big throw down the field to Devontae Smith. Like, that's kind of, we, we talk about well-coached teams. We talk about, like again, Nick Sirianni, is he my cup of tea as far as how he conducts himself? Not really, but his teams are pretty buttoned up. Uh, they run the football effectively. Their pass game when not in a rainstorm. I wouldn't call this a rainstorm necessarily. It was raining pretty hard in Kansas City, but when not uh, having to deal with the elements, so to speak, is really good. Their offensive statistics are all top 10. Running uh, Rush yards per game, pass yards per game. Jalen Hurts firmly in the MVP discussion. And while I still, still have doubts about Philadelphia's secondary, uh, which they play well in this game, listen, it's a bye week, adjustments. Coaches and players become far more uh, familiar with the scheme. Philly with a new defensive coordinator this season season uh, and did a great job in the Chiefs shutting them out in the second half but I still have concerns about Philly's secondary other than that man there, there's not much obviously I, I don't like the Eagles again former Cowboy fan here Steeler fan don't like the Eagles never have never will but I do respect well-run operations and I respect uh, football teams that are gritty that are tough that have multiple ways to beat you that win against Kansas City didn't look like the Dallas win which didn't look like the Washington win uh, either of the Washington wins for the record, which didn't look like the Minnesota win. They all kind of look differently, and that to me is the mark of a team that's probably the best in the NFL right now. Hats off to the Philadelphia Eagles. Big time win over Kansas City. I, I, I Listen, I picked the Chiefs to win, and I was feeling good in that first half. Chiefs are up double digits, and Andy Reid, Mahomes off a bye. They're feeling good about themselves, and Philadelphia said, nope. Not to say Philadelphia. I'm not, and by the way, I'm not trying to paint, paint a picture as if the Eagles are the only resilient team in the NFL. It's not the case. But when you combine talent with resiliency, with a well-run organization, with well-coached, with multiple ways to beat you, that's that's going to be hard to stop. Not saying that they're just going to run the table the rest of the season. They do have to play Josh Allen, who's been up and down. But when he's up, he's he's as good as they come. Uh, the week after that, they kind of play the Niners. Then they kind of play Dallas. But I said, and this is for, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fans probably got mad at me when I said this a month ago, uh, but I believed it to be true and still believe it to be true. And, you know, and this is where I have to give it up to Philly, where credit's due. I said after they lost that game to the Jets, remember Jalen Hurts through the, all those interceptions, through the devastating interception late in the fourth quarter that probably cost the, the Eagles the game. I said this stretch, this upcoming stretch for Philadelphia after the Jets game would really determine how I viewed them this season and whether or not they were a true legitimate contender or just kind of a shell of themselves from what they were a year ago. Beat Miami 31-17. Beat Washington, who's given them fits on the road. Came back to do it. Uh, beat Dallas, despite having their quarterback uh, get out played by Dallas's quarterback. Okay, 28-23. Went to Kansas City off a bye. 21-17 over the Chiefs. If they somehow, ladies and gentlemen, if they, I'm not saying they are, but if they get out of the stretch after Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks, and they exit that 8-0, not saying they will. Every team has slip-ups. That's that's a scary team. You heard Jalen Hurts, a lot of other players in Philadelphia saying, "Ah, eh, we didn't play to our, our standard. We, we, we could have played better, and that's certainly true. There's, there's many aspects of that game where Philadelphia could have played better. Uh, again, Jalen did throw the bad interception. He's had a little bit of a turnover problem this season, but all in all, considering the circumstances on the road, Chiefs, read off a bye, Mahomes, that's pretty impressive. 
one of the more impressive wins of the NFL season. So I got to set my cap to the Philadelphia Eagles in that regard. Don't like them. Don't still not picking them to win the NFC. You know me. I, I believe in pick integrity. I'm sticking with my pick Dallas to win the NFC, but they will lose to a team. I think is going to once again, win the AFC, the Kansas city chiefs, who I will now shift to. So I know there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't totally say panic, because I don't think anybody looked at that loss for Kansas City and said, oh, yep, they can't win the Super Bowl now. Any smart person will look at that and say, well, yeah, they did lose to Philadelphia. It isn't like they, they lost to Carolina or something. That might be a little bit of a different conversation. If Carolina went to Arrowhead and, and, and Mahomes played poorly and, and, and the receivers were dropping passes and getting shut out in the second half, eh, a little concerning. Philadelphia, I mean, we we it took a walk-off field goal to beat that team in the Super Bowl last year. So, it, you know, it's... There are worse losses. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, I still think Kansas City is the best team in the AFC today. I really do. And it not it's it, it's not just a what's their ceiling because the fact of the matter is it doesn't look, appear through you know what are we ten games into the season or yeah ten games of the season for the Chiefs that they are going to be the offense they were a year ago. They're not. They're, they're averaging 22 points a game. That's not in the top 10 in the NFL. So, like, they're struggling to put up points, to generate points on a consistent basis. Last year, and really ever since Mahomes has gotten there, that wasn't even a question. You'd have the occasional clunker here and there, but not a consistent uh, string of, at times, bad offensive football, bad situational football. And that's kind of where I want to hit on for Kansas City is the things that they are, the things that are plaguing them, they can fix. They're not... Limp, you could argue wide receiver, but it is a situation where I love my Steelers. I think we made the right decision to move on from Matt Canada. More on that and carving up the context in about 10 minutes. But the thing with the Kansas City Chiefs or the Pittsburgh Steelers is I still think there's some limits. I like Kenny Pickett. There's limitations there. There's only so far you can go with Kenny Pickett. There's a lot of limitations with the Jets that are holding the back. Outside of receiver, there's not that many limitations to Kansas City. They are, after all, the defending champs. They drafted incredibly well on defense and on the offensive line. They just don't have that home run guy that they've had since, or that they had in Tyree Kill when they moved him, in part to upgrade the defense, to bring in guys like Trent McDuffie and company, uh, Carl Loftus as well. Great, really, really productive defensive players for Kansas City, and they deserve credit. By the way, Nick Bolton, their best linebacker, did not play in that game. He's still injured. I think for Kansas City, it's if, if you're a Chiefs fan, you guys say, well, the things that we struggled in this game and frankly have struggled with in the last month, two months, and really all season long, you can argue, we can fix. Mahomes threw a, I, I mentioned it when I was talking about Philadelphia, Mahomes threw a bad, really bad red zone interception. Uh, it's Kevin Bynard. He wasn't pressured. He had a guy open. I think it was uh, uh, Justin Watson and just short-armed it. Like, they're very, very uncharacteristic play. We've seen Mahomes take the occasional risk at times. He is a gunslinger, after all. Like, that's sometimes that's just in your DNA when you have that kind of arm and that kind of playmaking ability. But we see Mahomes throw the what-are-you-doing interception about twice a year. Uh, I mean, I think he had one against Denver last year. I, I remember. I don't know why I vaguely remember that. They were playing the Broncos. I was like, what, what are you doing, Patrick? Like, that, it happens at times. That one was inexcusable. He wasn't under pressure. It wasn't a tight window throw. He just straight up missed Chris, uh, Justin Watson and ended up throwing it to the other team, Kevin Biner, which took points off the board for, for Kansas City. Another, uh, another situation, Travis Kelsey. Obviously, Mahomes was best target uh, and, and and the boyfriend of, of somebody. I can't remember who it was. The point is, Travis Kelsey, second half. Kansas City's putting together arguably their best drive of the entire second half. K 
Okay, they've, they've run 12 plays. They've gone 65 yards from their own 25 all the way down to Philadelphia's 14. It's first down and 10 at Kansas City. They're up 17-14 from the 14-yard line of Philadelphia. Mahomes threw a pass to Kelsey, got to the 9-yard line, and fumbled. That was a critical Kansas City, given the momentum. They'd run the football effectively. Mahomes was efficient and accurate. You probably, again, first down and 10 from that on that part of the field. Kansas City probably punches that in. Worst case scenario, they get three. So two devastating turnovers for Kansas City. And again, everybody's getting on Marquez Valdez, scantling the drop. I wouldn't say heard around the world. It wasn't a playoff game. But Mahomes could not have thrown any better. He tried to take the blame, which I respect him for. Like, that's that's what your, your quarterback does, your a true leader does. Uh, but perfect throw. I mean, he had, had, had Valdez scantling beat his guy, and he just straight up dropped it. I don't know if it was the lights at Arrowhead. I don't know if it was that the ball was wet. But... You know, the ball hasn't been wet and the lights haven't been bright every single game for the Kansas City Chiefs because they lead the league, or I shouldn't say because, but uh, this has still played them regardless is what I'm trying to say. Leading the league in drops. For the record, Justin Watson mentioned how the, the interception that Mahomes threw was 100% on Mahomes on a Watson. The fourth down in a mile play, I mean, it, it was, it's so weird, y'all. It was, remember when they played Detroit? And uh, and and Kadarius Tony had all those drops, and and he dropped a pass that went for a pick six to Brian Branch. The Detroit game, uh, NFL season opener, and Mahomes had a fourth and a mile in that game against the Lions, and rolled out to his right, threw a great pass. I think it was to Sky Moore, and he just straight up dropped it. It was, I mean, it's almost identical play, an identical situation. Did it this time? He said it was Justin Watson who dropped the pass for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're Kansas, by the way. Upside for Kansas City, you will be in, and, and this is weird because I say this about the Steelers. It's weird to it's weird to equate those two because we we view them in very different regards, uh, you know, from an offensive perspective. I always said about I said about the Steelers coming into the season before I saw the abysmal uh, offense that they would be, and it still remains true. Remains true is hey, the Steelers unless they just suck defensively, they'll be in every single game they play. The same can be said about the Kansas City Chiefs. Third in the National Football League in scoring defense. Uh, I think it's 16, 17 points a game. Held, you know, Philadelphia scored 21. Uh, offense didn't show up to the party. But can it adjust? Sure it can. You got the best head coach uh, in the NFL and the smartest offensive head coach uh, in the NFL. You got the best quarterback in the league, still the best tight end in the league. I know there's the Travis Kelsey had a had a quote the other day in an interview talking about how, hey, I've considered retirement. And Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age. He's in his mid-30s. Like he's no spring chicken at this point, but he's still very productive. He's still the best tight end in football. Uh, and simply put, if guys who are paid millions of dollars simply to separate and catch footballs, if they can do that, hey, they can. If there's any team, and I've said this all season long, and it remains to be true, I think it, I, it remains uh, true today, if there's any team that can turn around the offensive side of the ball, probably the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not saying they're going to be as good as San Francisco or Philadelphia, but Philadelphia is a great offense. They struggled. Now, the elements were a concern. Obviously, on the road, we understand that. If it's a neutral site, if those two meet in the Super Bowl, different circumstances, they'd be indoors in Vegas. But... If there's any team I'll bet on that's struggling offensively to get it right, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's kind of like I, I equate the Chiefs and the Warriors to one another often. Um, 
I think it like, obviously it's two different sports, but I think both are similar in that the fact that they got obviously a, an awesome superstar first ballot Hall of Fame player kind of leading the team, and they've got other stars, other future Hall of Famers around them, smart head coaches, uh, electric atmospheres for their home games. Like it's it's kind of similar. Obviously, the Warriors being the dynasty of the NBA and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, being the at the beginning of their dynasty in the National Football League. But I equate them often in that you know Golden State. This season, we're seven. I'm again, I'm a Warriors fan. We're seven and eight, kind of struggling to shoot the ball. And that's kind of been, uh, oh, Warriors are struggling to shoot the basketball. If there's one thing I'm confident the Warriors can do well over the course of an 82 game season in the playoffs, it's shoot the basketball. They had the Splash Brothers. Chris Paul's an effective three point shooter, actually shot the ball well the other night. Dario Sarts, like they've got shooters, they've got guys who can knock down jumpers when given the opportunity. The Chiefs have guys who can cash in offensively when given the opportunity when they absolutely have to. So that's why I'm not selling my stock in Kansas City uh, at all. At all. I still think they're the best team in the AFC, even over the Ravens, Jaguars, the Dolphins. I mean, guys, two of out of those three teams they've beaten. Now we'll see what happens. I think they play uh, Baltimore. Do they play the Ravens this season? Uh, uh, they Oh, they do not. Okay. They don't play the Ravens. Very interesting. But listen, for Kansas City, I don't think there's anything to, to panic. To act like the sky is falling, they'll be just fine. I know it's like a broken record in that regard, but I truly believe that they will be uh, just fine. Feel free to chime in the comments section. Love to hear your thoughts and your opinions. Going to be here for a, a fun, fantastic Thanksgiving Day show. Barry Grant Jr. in 15 minutes. Going to get into uh, carving up the context in, in just a second regarding the Steelers and my Steelers and uh, Matt Canada. But I, I just wanted to say this because I think it's, it's worth saying. So last night, 8 o'clock spot, which for those of you who don't know what that is, it is the Grid Network's game show. It is every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter account. Be, be sure to check it out. We had a great show, Thanksgiving-themed show. And what we do is in the final round, it's obviously you accumulate points. It's a game show. The top two point getters move on to the final round, and it's a winner-go-home to winner-take-all question. Obviously, the rules are explained more in the show. And because it was a Thanksgiving Day show, the question was – uh, to answer for them is what's the best Thanksgiving Day side dish? Because we know turkey, it's the main course, all that. I, again, I think turkey is just a smidgen overrated, but because, you know, for a lot of reasons, that's neither here nor there. You could debate that amongst your family, and I, I certainly will maybe with mine. But uh, my man John Rivera, shout out to John, John Fan Perspective Podcast, uh, said that it was macaroni and cheese. And I was like, you know what? John John made the better case over our guy Dylan Lima, who's who's been on the at the show the last couple of weeks. Shout out to Dylan and shout out to Devin as well. Uh, host the After the Bank podcast. He was on the show too. But uh, it was so great. John John made so great of a case that even Dylan was like, who lost was like, yeah, I probably have to agree with John John there. Like it was, it was a good case. Well, John John uh, just DM'd me right before I went on the show tonight. And it's like, okay, this just further proves why he was why he was right and why I was right in picking him to win. He just sent me this. This is from Bleacher Report uh, betting, so that they give like odds and stuff for gambling. And they put out, I guess this is totally made up, uh, Thanksgiving Day MVP odds, and uh, macaroni and cheese leads the bunch at plus. 200. So macaroni and cheese, according to Bleach Report betting, uh, is most likely to win Thanksgiving MVP. For those of you that are wondering who comes after that, mashed potatoes and gravy are after that, followed by ham, turkey, sweet potatoes, slash yams. They're not called yams. They're called sweet potatoes. Dang it. Uh, pie, kind of kind of uh, not specific enough. Again, pumpkin pie. Oh, my goodness. You want to make me happy? Give me a slice of pumpkin pie. Oh, I love that stuff. Uh, then followed by dinner rolls, greens, cream corn, 
cornbread, stuffing slash dressing, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, Brussels sprouts, and beets. Uh, so there, there's your there's your Thanksgiving day outs. But my man, my man John John sent that to me uh, right before I went on the show tonight. So I was like, okay, I, I, I love this. I love this. Uh, so it's listen, Thanksgiving day. It's gonna be fun. It is going to. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I'll say it now because I said it on the show last night. My mother, uh, my mom makes the the best, and I mean the best corn casserole. And I'm not even a casserole guy like that. Whew. It's the, the the corn. I mean, I love corn as it is, but the corn and the the cream. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. It is. I I, I hope one day you get to have corn casserole as good as mom. Shout out mom. It is fantastic. Okay. Before I get hungry, because we do have a lot of Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow, of course, we all do. Uh, I did want to transition into a segment that I introduced uh, right before the football season started. It was during the preseason. And oftentimes, I talk about stories on this show, uh, whether it's reaction to a certain player doing something with their performance or whatever the case may be, or a story, a trade, whatever, whatever it is. I've always been like, you know what? Oftentimes, the proper context is not provided. So... I will be the person to to provide such context. So it is time for carving up the context. And as the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, Deion Sanders says, give me my theme music. And on this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, it is a happy day in Steelerland because... The fans, myself included, we got our wish. Matt Canada, after 45 torturous games, has been fired by the Steelers. He was fired yesterday morning by Mike Tomlin, who said that the he said in no other certain terms that the results for the Steelers' offense were simply not there. And uh, he they, they they asked him one of the media members in Pittsburgh asked him, well, what's the goal? What do you hope to accomplish uh, with this firing? And he said to score more points. I'm like that is like the Tomlin is. Whenever Mike Tomlin does retire, and I hope that's not soon, but whenever he does retire, he's surely to goodness going to go into media. He is fantastic. He is a he's. He is the anti-Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick gives you no sound bites in the press conference other than a couple of mumbles and a half smile. Mike Tomlin is a is, is a soundbite machine. He's great for the media. He's great for shows like mine. So shout out to Coach Tomlin. He is the absolute best. But uh, but yeah, like that's it's blunt, it's straight, it's to the point, and it's true. Because the fact of the matter is, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and what they've done, not just this season, but since Mr. Canada took over to start the 2021 season, when remember albeit he was older, but Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback at the time. Here are the Steelers' numbers. And again, it looks bad on film. I've heard Dan Orlovsky, I've heard coaches and players on ESPN and on other networks talk about how uh, bad it is in Pittsburgh, how uncreative it is. But when you look at what they, what it's producing, the, the offensive uh, output for the Steelers, it's about as bad as you might imagine. They are it's Since Canada took over, Okay, this is 45 games ago to start the 2021 season. The one playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs is included. The Steelers uh, have scored 18.6 points per game, which is 28th in the league since Canada took over. They uh, they score, I'm sorry, they get only 310 yards per game, 28th in the league, 4.9 yards per play. That is 31st in the league. 75 offensive touchdowns. That is also 31st in the league. 40 20-point games in regulations, uh, two I want to repeat that. Two 
point games in regulation for the Steelers since Mr. Canada took over as the OC. By the way, zero 30-point games this season and no 400-yard games offensively. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it has been... I am a new Steelers fan. This is my first year ever as a Steelers fan, and I can honestly tell you I don't know how this awesome fan base survived 21 and 22. And, and what's what's even more incredible, and what I this is why I'm all in favor of the firing. This isn't a personal shot at Canada. This isn't a situation where oh he's he's just this this bad guy. Or listen, I, I it sucks for him. It sucks for his family. NFL is a harsh business, but the, this move had to be made, and frankly, should have been made a long time ago by Coach Tomlin. This move was not just made because of the production or lack thereof by the Steelers' offense. I truly, to the core of my being, believe that a large reason that the Canada was fired and was let go is because of some of the sound bites we heard from Najee Harris. Uh, George Pickens was complaining and publicly complaining on social media about not getting the football. Uh, Najee Harris had a, had a quote where he said that the record of the team, six and four, six and four, you know, playoffs start today. The Steelers are in. And Mike Tomlin continues that incredible streak of not having a losing record that we all talk about all the time. It's like it, on the surface, it's all fine and good. If you just look at this is why I say the oh, you are what your record says you are quote by the great Bill Parcells sometimes to use the name of this segment lacks context at times it does. So like that's that should be taken into account. But Najee Harris said, yeah, you look at our record. We're you know, we're good in that regard. We're in the playoffs. We could still potentially maybe win the AFC North as loaded the division as that is. But we got to also look at the things behind that. And that's what Najee was alluding to. And he said he was tired of this, uh, this, this nonsense. He didn't use the word nonsense. He used something else. Uh, but like he, he's tired of it. The Steelers office is tired of it. There was a crazy video. I, I shouldn't say crazy. Like I can't believe it happened, but I can't believe it was caught on video of after a Steelers win earlier this season, players are walking to the locker room and Matt Canada is seen in the video. This is right as, as the players are about to turn left to go into the, into their home locker room. Matt Canada is seen hugging Mike Tomlin. Great game. Let's go. Chris Boswell, the kicker, not the quarterback, not the, not a left tackle or the star receiver, the kicker, Chris Boswell, who by the way is automatic. Love Chris Boswell, but he comes from behind them. You know, there's everybody in the Steelers are saying, oh, great win, great win, great win. And Chris Boswell says, yeah, we didn't win because of you. Can guarantee you that. It's like, well, I can't believe this, this actually got on camera. I can't believe this is the first time I'd seen this. I don't, I, listen, maybe it was on the internet a month ago. I don't know what, what, what it was, but it is, you start to see dissension and division in the locker room. They're started to become questions from the Pittsburgh media, from people like myself saying, dang, is Kenny really the guy? Kenny Pickett really the guy to take the Steelers to the next level? I have my doubts. Uh, I do think there are limitations. I've been very, very adamant about that, but there's still some things I like. He's great in the fourth quarter. He has multiple fourth quarter comebacks, but at the same time, he has as many touchdown passes in the last month and a half as Anthony Richardson, who has not played in a month and a half. So that's a little bit of a problem that you got to put on the quarterback and on the OC. And, you know, that's once I can, I have a feeling that once the criticism started to shift to Pickett, Mike Tomlin very, and this is what I love about him, and I think the players love this about him, is about as protective of, of his players as they come. Antonio Brown, we see all the stuff off the field now. We could say hindsight's twenty twenty, like, oh, I can't believe it was, you know, we, we would think of him as, as a you know, viable locker room guy. Well, 
in Pittsburgh up until it just got intolerable at the end in 2018. Didn't hear the stuff then that you hear about AB, uh, AB now. It's because Mike Tomlin, the Steelers' culture, everything is kept in-house. Okay, we're going to settle our disagreements as a family. We're going to solve it as a family, whatever the case may be. The Steelers' locker room survived Antonio Brown. Mike Tomlin's the type of dude. You go to his players, you go to his guys, that's a problem. And once the once the position started to shift to Kenny Pickett, maybe Mike Tomlin, as smart of a head coach as he is, looked at that and like, this ain't on Kenny. Some of it is. I mean, you can't put all the blame on Matt Canada. Uh, some of it is the players got to execute better. But if, you, if you're being put in position with crappy offensive plays, uh, not much to execute. Like Dan Orlovsky said it best on ESPN when breaking it down. He said that the Pittsburgh Steelers, he said that they are – they're running plays. They're not, Matt Canada was not calling an offense. He was just calling plays. You know, what wasn't scheming guys open. Uh, wasn't a whole lot of creativity to it. I mean, it, it was crazy where I, I was, I was hearing, you could, you could see it on the film too, where the Steelers, if they line up in a certain formation, there's not a set amount of plays or set number of plays that you can run out of that formation. It's, if it's this formation, it's this play. Very easy for defensive coordinators to game plan for. When you look at a guy like Jeff Swartz in Cleveland, who's done a great job at the Browns defense, Miles Garrett is having an awesome year. The Browns defense is collectively they're like, okay, yeah, it's it's like what it is almost is like the people get up in arms about the Michigan sign stealing scandal. Other teams are stealing signs from Pittsburgh. It's like Pittsburgh literally went to the Browns, went to these other teams, and said, "Hey, here here here's our play calls. You can you, you know tip ourselves off essentially." So. Good for the Pittsburgh Steelers, good for Mike Tomlin, and good for Kenny Pickett. This is now the pressure shifts to number eight. If Kenny Pickett fails to perform well in the next uh, however many games left, uh, seven games left of the regular season and what I believe to be at least one playoff game, uh, we'll see how far they get. Again, I think there's a ceiling, on how, a ceiling on how far these Steelers can go. We'll see what he gives us. If he plays well. I mean, Josh Allen got it now. Josh Allen's on a different level than Kenny Pickett, but Josh Allen had his OC fired, Ken Dorsey, and played pretty well against a great Jets defense last week. That stuff matters, and I have a hard time believing that that, that didn't factor into Mike Tomlin moving on from Matt Canada as well. So, this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, Matt Canada was fired, and I don't want to totally just uh, bash the guy and say good riddance, all this, all that, but uh, it does feel like a new day in Pittsburgh. It does feel like a new day at Pittsburgh. I'm not going to lie to you. Feels good. So that's it for this week's edition of Carving Up the Context. And that transitions me perfectly into uh, our guest coming on the show. He is the host of the Elgin Podcast. He is the co-founder of The Grid Network. And by the way, speaking of The Grid, we talk about the 8 o'clock spot, the flagship show, the game show of the network. He is currently the points leader, but by a very slim margin over his co-founder, uh, over the co-founder of The Grid, Mike Guido. Would you please give a warm Thanksgiving Day welcome to... Grant Jr. joining Carving It Up Live. Barry, sir, how you doing, my man? You're 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 muted. You're muted, buddy. I can't hear you. See some technical difficulties. Is he? Wait, I think I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Gotcha. All righty. So it was a little click on the on the little thing. Um, I will correct you. Okay, I am fifty points up on Mr. Mike Guido. However. I haven't been on the show in like 10 episodes. So the fact that somebody had to catch up, I mean, it is what it is. 
It is what it is, right? It is what it is. So I, I'm hoping that by the time I do get back, somebody got the lead so I can snatch it away again. I, I'm, I like to snatch dreams away. Sort of like, you know, fans of the Clippers. They they love to root for the Clippers. And then the Clippers just kind of just, you know, they 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 tend to crush people's dreams and, and, and hopes. And that that's what I want to do in the 8 o'clock spot. So, yeah, shouts to you. Shouts to everybody on the grid. But, uh, you know, just I just want to put that out there. You know what? I just did a segment called Carving Up the Context, and context was necessary there, so I appreciate you for, for providing that, and we'll, we'll see what happens next time you, you come on the show, just as long as I don't have to read any crazy statements or something, okay? I'm not I'm not the president or something. As, okay? as like, I said, they, they, there could be a video package. I'm just oh, saying. No. Oh, that could just be saying. even worse. So we have yeah. to sit through it. It could be bad. Yeah. Okay, so I do want to start, though, in the NFL, because um, obviously we got Thanksgiving Day weekend, and so obviously you're, you're a Cowboys fan, and you and I have gone uh, back and forth at times about uh, about Dak Prescott. And even, but even you have acknowledged he has played very well over the last month. We can actually show you the stats. Uh, not show you, just show the audience's stats over the course of the season. Second in completion percentage, fourth in pass rating, fifth in yards per pass, uh, sixth in touchdown to interception ratio, second in QBR, and thus far he's pro football focused as highest graded quarterback. So when you look at the MVP discussion, it is dicey right now. There is no clear front runner. Uh, there's even guys from other positions folks have considered, like Tyree Kill, like Miles Garrett, etc. Um, do you think Dak is squarely in the MVP discussion, if not the leader? Um, hard to say leader because of the strength of schedule per se. I think that that matters in regards to the MVP um, conversation. We've seen guys be neck and neck. Um, in the MVP, you know, one and two or one to three, and then there's a big game that comes up. That guy performs well. He's now the leader. Some guy doesn't play a great team but is consistent and not not with his own doing but kind of moves down the list in regards to competition. So I think Dak, Dak is somewhere there. I don't know where, you know, anybody can be able to kind of have their own rankings. But, I mean, you have to kind of, give him some type of nod if you're going to put C, you know a cj stroud if he's going to get some like it's been a hodgepodge of quarterbacks this year nobody has really stepped out and, and and played really really that phenomenal but you know those numbers that you said right there they're warranted so he has to get some type of consideration but to be a front runner i can't really say that uh you know definitively that's fair. I, again, I'm. I, I, let's see. I, I wouldn't even say I have a clear front row right now. Last week I said CJ Stroud, but then he yeah. threw three picks. But then he did. Then again, he did win the game. So again, it's is it a little dicey right now when you talk about the MVP discussion. As far as though Dallas is concerned, obviously it's crazy. Again, I'm going to get to Bryce's best ten uh, in about 25 minutes. My top ten teams in the league is you know Dallas is right there amongst the contenders in the NFC. Talk about San Francisco, Philly. I love Detroit this season, uh, among others. Where do you kind of see them in that discussion? Do you see do you see a scenario in which they can in fact win the NFC? Uh, as, as I believe they can before the season. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's there's always a chance. It, it, the thing is, shouts to the, the Philadelphia Eagles. What are they, 9-1 and one now? Um, yes. But let's be honest. Is that an impressive 9-1? and one? I wouldn't say so. Um, okay. I think I think that the Chiefs, you know, play here, play there. You can, you can say that about maybe six or seven games that they've played this season. Play here, play there. And we have a different outcome. Now you're gonna win. You're gonna. Uh, all it is is a W, right? It's a wins and losses. It's a win league. It's a loss league. We get that. But when you're talking about certain things that happen in the playoffs, certain breaks don't go your way in the playoffs. How are you going to be able to kind of face adversity, deal with adversity? Jalen Hurts has not looked well. 
Now, granted, there were the weather persists in, in the game against the Chiefs, right? Um, but he just has not looked like a really solid quarterback outside of you know running the football and getting the, the brotherly shove touchdowns at the goal line. Like uh, outside of that, if you look, if you really look at his advanced stats, he's not playing that well. Sure. So is that gonna be able to is that gonna like rear its ugly head come playoffs? It damn sure can. You know what I mean? So, you know, we have to really pay attention to that. I remember years, years ago, and your beloved Steelers, you weren't a fan of, of that team back in the day. But remember, at some point, I think they were 11 and 1, and nobody yep. in football believed in the Steelers. No one. Yep. So, what makes me have to like switch up all because the, the Eagles got to the Super Bowl last year? They, I, I have not seen an impressive outing from them from start to finish in the football game all season. So, why should I say that they're the best? Uh, the 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 Lions, they've shown some tests this season. I like what I'm seeing with them. Obviously, the 49ers, we don't have to say much about them. If all if everything is well, if everybody's healthy, all the all the pieces are there, they can be able to make a deep run. But Dallas is right there. Dallas was that close to beating Philadelphia. Yes, yeah. the 49er game. You can be able to say that was an outlier because, to be honest with you, the 49ers have not played a complete football game this season other than that Dallas game. That was a perfect— Not the Jacksonville game? I wouldn't even say that. I think the Dallas game was more perfect than than the, the Jacksonville game. They they Everything worked for them in that game. Uh, George Kittle, who wasn't doing anything in the season at that point, had three touchdowns against the Cowboys. So you, you're thinking about everything that they've tried. They It, it happened. It worked in that game. So are they going to play as good as that? Maybe not, but they, they, they've shown some consistency in regards to their offensive scoring. So Dallas is right there in that mix of teams. Can they beat the Eagles? Absolutely, they can beat the Eagles. Can they beat the 49ers? It's yet to be seen, but can they? Absolutely. Can they beat the uh, the Lions? Of course they can beat the Lions. So, you know, every team that you put in front of them, they have a chance to beat. So, of course, they're going to be in the conversation. You know, it's funny, the team the, the, the teams that we have questions about in the NFC in terms of them being Super Bowl contenders. I remember, uh, and I talked about earlier in the show, when the Eagles lost to the Jets and Jalen threw the, all those interceptions they yeah. lost to Zach Wilson. Uh, I remember saying, like, this upcoming stretch, these next eight games are going to yeah. kind of determine where how we view them. Thus far, to their credit, they're 4-0. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that can, the same could be said about the Dallas Cowboys. They're... Listen, they, they should beat Washington tomorrow uh, and should beat them soundly. But after that, you got Seattle, you it's got tough. Philadelphia, you got Buffalo, yeah. uh, Miami, and then uh, you got the Detroit Lions as well. So it's this tough. is kind of a stretch for Dallas where you mentioned they, they've been they've been beating a lot of bottom feeders, a lot of Carolinas, and, and a lot of Rams and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, to, to their credit, like this is – they've taken care of business. That's always been the thing for Dallas. Like they don't really have – and this used to be the case under Garrett, not really the case now with McCarthy. They don't have that head-scratching loss to that terrible team. Like no. I cannot believe that they really just screwed this up. Outside um, of the – Cardinals, right? Outside also of the, the Cardinals. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But again, every team has, has that one game in their schedule where we kind of like, I, I'm not really sure how they lost that game. Remember the yeah. Chiefs lost the Colts last year. It made no sense. Right. Um, but you make great points on Dak and on, on Dallas. I did want to shift, though, to a team that you used to be a fan of, the New York Jets, who are in complete disarray. Uh, I just, I just want to put this out there on the record. You could respond if you want. But uh, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back this season. He's not. Uh, it's, you know, but again, if you talk about the Jets, uh, you bought into them more than I did as a Super Bowl contender. I thought they'd be a playoff team. Yeah. Where are you at in terms of the quarterback situation? Zach Wilson's been benched now uh, for uh, for Tim Boyle, I think is the guy's name. Uh, you're dealing with offensive line problems. Where are you at with the Jets in terms of how they've mismanaged this season and really how they could go into next season with hopefully a healthy Rodgers? Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, you don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is literally the guy that's 
that is going to keep everything together, keep everybody happy, keep the defense happy, keep the offensive pieces happy. This was not designed. They, they didn't plan for Aaron Rodgers to go down, and that is part of the problem. I think that Joe Douglas has done a horrible job uh, with free agent signings, with the offensive line since he's been here, and also trusting this kid, Zach Wilson, when the team does not buy into him. They didn't buy into him last year. You benched him last year and went to Mike White, and you specifically did not re-sign Mike White all to give your guy, Zach Wilson, another shot. Name me another quarterback, Bryson, and I'll wait, that got the start, got benched, and then got a chance to get the same start on the same team. Not somewhere else, I'll but do the you same one better. team. No, not to cut you off, but I'll do you one better. He was benched multiple times last Multi season. Exactly. The Patri multiple the Patriots times. game, and he got benched during – I think they played the Jaguars on a Thursday. He got benched during that game. So yeah. it was – and you still kept him around as, as your backup in case right. a 39-year-old quarterback goes down. Right. Uh, and, and that's not – again, obviously give you an opportunity to respond here again, yeah. but like that's something I talked about with the Minnesota Vikings. They handled their situation beautifully. Immediately. Well, immediately. And, and immediately as well. That's perfectly said. Right. Is, is They see this guy in, in Arizona, Josh Dobbs, like, okay, he can be productive for us. Right. We've got too good of a team to not contend for the playoffs. Let's go get him. And here the Vikings sit today firmly in the M NFC playoff picture. Exactly. And credit for it. And that shows you the competence of a front office, of a GM that says, we have a team that we don't want to waste a season. Joe Douglas has literally wasted two seasons yep. for the Jets. Two seasons. He wasted it last year because everybody on planet Earth, I, I was telling you this. I was singing Mike White's praises from camp. I said, Mike White is better than Zach Wilson. He's been better than Zach Wilson. But why didn't they turn? Because they don't want to admit failure. This draft pick is attached to this front office. If they admit failure, that's now sending messages to the owner saying, well, if this is your guy and you failed at this, then why should I trust you to pick another one? That's the problem. That's why he constantly is putting him back in situations. But this is an issue for the Jets. I said it before the season started. Their offensive line was weak. They needed to address that. There were some free agents on the market that they probably could have got for depth. Yeah, you wouldn't have probably got any great guys, but you need depth on your offensive line. They don't have any depth, and they don't have much talent on their line. So those are two things, right? And on top of that, Josh Dobbs was available. Carson Wentz was available. There's multiple players that they could have got at quarterback. And we're not saying that they would have been superstars, but they would have been able to manage the game. They're pros. They've been in that position before. And all they needed was somebody competent to be a quarterback, not turn the ball over, not make poor decisions, and know exactly where the football needs to go. And Zach Wilson does none of that. You can see why the defense is frustrated. You can see why certain things are starting to collapse there because they are finished with this kid and he's just not good. Like, we have to face no, facts. He's not. he's not a good football player. And he never was at the at the end at the NFL level. Anybody that saw him at BYU, they didn't play stiff competition there. When they did play stiff competition, he looked like a deer in the headlights. And that's the kid that you draft to go to New York? Come on now. It makes me think that Joe Douglas doesn't know what he's doing. And then everybody wants to blame Robert Sala. It this was not a solid decision. I'm sure if Salah had the decision, he would have did the same thing that he did last year and benched him. But he didn't have that decision this year. This was coming from the top. Joe Douglas wanted to play Zach Wilson. You could have, you saw it week after week after week. 
the frustration in Salah's face when he would ask that question. You can see it, that yep. it was not his call. Of course, he's not going to throw his, his front office under the bus, but everybody knows that Zach Wilson is Joe Douglas's guy, and he was going to ride it until the wheels fall off, and it fell off 10 weeks ago. I, I tell the story at times whenever the Zach Wilson discussion comes up. I remember, gosh, this was four years ago. This was 2019, so this is a couple of years before he entered the draft. I actually saw him play in person because they played Tennessee and yeah. Knoxville. And, and mind you, again, this is not the Tennessee now. I know Tennessee's having up and down season top Not the powerhouse team. that it was. Not, yeah. a, not a powerhouse, not back to relevance, just kind of a mid-team in the SEC. And he struggled bad. Again, yeah. he, he got – BYU ended up winning that game in overtime. But, like, it was a – I remember when the draft conversation came up, this kid out of BYU, I'm like, he's the, he's the, he's the number two projected quarterback. Right. And for the record, what's crazy is outside of Lawrence, none of those guys have panned out. Uh, no, Field, uh, no. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. They all Matt look Jones, bad. They all they, look bad. They they all look bad. And I, what I hope is, I hope Salah isn't the fall guy in all this because I think he's he's the least to blame for all that. Because one thing about Salah, his side of the ball defense, it's good. The yeah. talent's there. They've drafted well there. And I it think, goes. To I think he gets another year, Bryson. I think. I, I think because because I think this entire front office, the coaching staff everybody's going to get a mulligan because Aaron Rodgers is not there. They have to see what that looks like. Now, if Aaron Rodgers comes back healthy and they struggle out the gate, Salah and Joe Douglas will be going together. They will be going together. Probably so, and but it goes to show you that if you miss on a quarterback, just the domino effect. Oh, of my goodness. I mean, San Francisco one, is the only team that can get away with it. And think about it. One win, that one late win cost them BoJack Horseman. It cost them Trevor yeah. Lawrence. It cost them Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be in New York. It would be Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback of the New York Jets, and they would have their franchise guy. And it's that margin of error in the in the NFL, that margin of error in sports that, you know, you pick the wrong guy, it can set your franchise back four or five years, and this is exactly where the Jets are right now, unfortunately. Yeah, 100%. It, it, you know, I did want to transition, though, as well, and then we'll get to some NBA stuff because I know you'll want to talk Clippers, you want to talk Lakers as well. Um since the last time you were on the show, uh, you were, let's just put it this way, you were much higher on Mac Jones than you are today. Uh, you had a come to Jesus moment on your show. I appreciate you for it. Shout out to you for it. Uh, where are you at today on, uh, on Oma Corkle? Just, you could just say, Br Bryson, you were right. You, you can say it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I can't do it anymore. I, I just, <laughs> I fought tooth and nail, I fought people in the street. I fought random people on comments. I am a Mac Jones guy, right? I've always been. I just, I can't defend it anymore. I just can't. Like, you know, when you make Portland, if the organization and the, and the coaching staff are kind of bogging you down and, and, and not making you succeed, I can understand that. But the poor decisions that he makes, the red zone turnovers, the interceptions in the red zone, all of these things are self-inflicted wounds. He's just a bad quarterback, and I'm, I said it on my show. He will never get a chance to start ever again. He will be lucky if he's a backup quarterback going forward in his career. He will never get the opportunity to start again because, one, he's shown a lot of immaturity here in New England. Two, um, just the skills have not developed, and as smart as he is, it's like he's not processing the game fast enough or the game is too fast for him and his skill set to be able to keep up. I'm just, I feel bad, but I'm done. I got, I got to be done. I got to get off. I got to get off the Mac Jones train. I'll watch from a distance, but I got to get off.
I, I, you know, I respect you for doing that. Listen, you're a results guy. And the fact of the matter yeah. is the results have not been there. And, you know, you mentioned the immaturity. I, I remember reading reports before the season started that the immaturity thing was a problem in Alabama yeah. um, with, with Nick Saban. So, like, the fact that it's continued, it, it probably isn't that shocking. And, you know, the, the two things that you, you sort of touched on them, that when Mac Jones came in the NFL, even that I acknowledged, whereas – He's, he's accurate like that. He was always accurate at Bama, uh, and he was a great game processor, which is the point I always made, like, the, the, then he's a, he'd be a great backup quarterback right. slash quarterback coach. Uh, those don't always translate to you, you got to have some tangible right. things that you can build off of. Uh, he simply has none of those. But very respect to you for, for moving off the Mac Jones take. It's, I got to be honest, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As, but, but I, I will put this out there because it's your show. You're right. Ah. Uh, my day's made. I can just end the show right now. That's that's fantastic. Uh, I do want to shift to the NBA, though, and shift to your favorite team in Los Angeles, the the LA Clippers. And um, so you have been you, you you've been on this Clippers thing for for a long as long as I've known you. Uh, so they trade for James Harden uh, last month. They got 0-6 to start. They've gone 2-0 in the last two games. Props to Russell Westbrook for, for coming off the bench and, and, and kind of doing well in that role. But uh, yep. I, I'm just going to give you the floor on the Clippers. I don't really even have a question uh, dialed up, but I know you 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 put on like this. this is it like a cloak, like a robe? Like are you trying to be like like uh, like a Palpatine or something? Like what, what's going on here with the Clippers? It is not a cloak. It is not a robe. It is more of a very warm jacket because, like oh, I said, okay. it's symbolism. For people that are in the basement, you know, I, I don't like to make fun of people that struggle with their heat. But if you do have struggles with your heat, you can always get a nice big winter coat, get some space heaters, some dehumidifiers, take all of that moisture out of the basement, and you'll be fine. This is what the Clippers are. I said it on my show. If you guys want to go ahead and check it out, there's a clip on YouTube. It's called, uh, I can't remember the actual title, but you will see it. It's Clippers friendly. Uh, I have a nice logo for dehumidifiers and space heaters that is the new segment that's going to be going every week um mm -hmm. i have a new one this week that's going to be very good I, I i had missed the topic last week i'm gonna hit it this week um here's the thing the clippers are not going to be as bad as we've seen them to start the season they're going to improve they're going to go on a win streak people are going to get back on the bandwagon again and say how great this situation is going russell westbrook he's sacrificed and he's off the bench. James Harden, he's 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 looking like the old James Harden. Look how look how he's getting everybody involved. Paul George is staying healthy. Oh, Kawhi Leonard, look at him. He's load managing me. But man, when he comes back, he's so active. And defensively, he looks good. And Ty Lue, one of the greatest coaches of all time. All of these things, yes. But what people don't realize about the Clippers, it's just like I said on my show. It's three things that I went over. The death of my goldfish. When I was nine years Frank. old and my mother said, listen, death is a thing. It will it will follow you your entire life. Taxes. I was mm -hmm. 19. I had a job and I realized I had to pay taxes and they took all my money. I was just like, I, I don't even make that much. And they took so much. And the Clippers being bad. All of these things have been very consistent since the point since I was nine years old up to now. So why should I? Somebody who's been watching basketball my entire life think any differently. There's four. There's a four superstar team. Is there any other team in the NBA that has four superstars? They have four guys on the team that don't move well without the basketball. You have four guys on the team right now. None of them are top ten defensive players. Maybe if you want to put Paul George out there, but injuries have sapped his ability to be a great defender as well. So. Where is the defense coming from? Where is going to be that clutch stop that they need in the playoffs when they're going against a Luka, 
when they're going against a LeBron, when they're going against a Steph, when they're going against KD and the Suns. Where is that particular stop coming from? People have to see the writing on the wall. The Clippers are who they are. They are just mid. And they're always going to choke. They have Steve Ballmer that puts all the sprinkles on, you know, I don't want to say it on the show, but they put sprinkles on crap and call it a cupcake. That's what he does. The toilets right? in the arena, right? Yeah, they got 10,000 toilets, of course. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. So I have no confidence in the Clippers. They have to prove me wrong. They always prove me right. And until they do something different, I'm going to keep being consistent with my point. People can go ahead and check my show and see how consistent I am. And I've been right at every turn. So what was it? First first show I ever did was October 21st of 2019. I predicted the Clippers to win the NBA championship that year because that was right when Kawhi and Paul George right. uh, joined. And, and when, when they blew that 3-1 lead to Denver, I'm like, I'm done. I will never buy yeah. the Clippers ever again as long as I live. I will never be bit by this snake again. But You're what I think man. is is you talked about where's that stop going to come from. They trade a bunch of those guys away. Marcus Morris and – All their defenders. All their defenders. And and what's uh, – this, this is the capper, man. This is the cherry on top, and I will ne- this, I'll never get over this. So – all of their star players can be free agents uh, this upcoming summer. Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Westbrook, and James Harden. Okay? So let's just say uh, some of those guys will probably stay. Kawhi probably yeah. stays. They don't have a first-round pick or any pick for five years. So it's, if this thing goes haywire, they can't rebuild. They have it, nothing. Bryson, it is poetry <laughs> in motion. It's like it's like a movie that's being written. Yes. Without somebody actually writing it beforehand. It's like it's, it's being written as it goes. It's the greatest thing that I've ever watched. I'm telling people right now, I've said it on my show several times. If the Lakers lose 55 games this season, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to see what happens with this Clippers team because they have me in, entertained. They have me locked in. They have me dialed in to see what happens because it is a train wreck ready to happen and i'm just waiting for james harden to start blaming everybody else as to why things break down and then he's gonna leave so you know for all clipper i i have this guy that 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 follows me supports my show shouts to him huge clipper fan he's one of the he's probably the biggest clipper fan i personally know he is disgusted with his team from the time that they made the trade he changes his Twitter profile. He's like disgusted Clippers fan. He's just done because he understands what comes with James Harden. A lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of frustration, and a lot of finger pointing. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So I'm just waiting. I'm just going to sit back and wait and see how the whole thing unfolds. But it's it's very entertaining, Bryce. It is. Hey. It's very entertaining. It's very predictable, and we're, we're going to be here for every step of, of it. And you obviously, will, you you will be leaving that train with the, the space heaters and the dehumidifiers. It's, it's Absolutely. Sticking in this, I, I want to get to the Lakers uh, last, but I, I want to yeah. transition now. Staying in the state of California to my yes, Warriors. Sir. So uh, seven and eight on the season. Got off to a hot start. Lost six straight. Beat Houston the other night. Play mm-hmm. uh, the, the Suns tonight. I actually predicted going into the season, I thought it would be a little bit of a rough start trying to get the Kings worked out uh, with Chris Paul and company. Uh, I'm doing a segment at the end of the show. Uh, the five things in sports I'm most thankful for. The clo- the, the 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 first thing on the bubble that that got cut out is uh is the fact that Jordan Poole is no longer a Golden State Warrior. Like I am you and I have been going back and forth DM in Texas about the, the oh, disaster. The Washington was already want to trade him. It's it's like, man, yeah, we man. had to deal with this for all last season. 
But um, your 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 thoughts on the Warriors? So Steph is Steph. That that goes without saying. He's still an awesome player. Clay struggled. I've it hurts me to say, but I've posed actually moving him for Zach Levine if you want to include some picks. Yeah. Um, where are you at in the Warriors? So the Draymond Green suspension. It's been a very eventful first fifteen games. Chris Paul, I think, has actually played very well in his role. Where are you at in Golden State? Uh, I think I'm the same place that I was um, with Golden State in the playoffs. I think Steve Kerr at this point is searching, right? He's searching for what can be able to fit, what lineups are are working, what what is going to be his closing lineup, who he can be able to trust in certain situations. How is this going to be able to to factor in for the next 10 games? Because that's the way coaches look at blocks of the season. They don't look at games in like every single game. They look at blocks of 10, right? So how are we going to play in these next 10? How are we going to play on this particular road trip? This is a big swing for us, blah, blah, blah. So he has to look at it like that. You can take some good things away. Like you said, Chris Paul has been very good in his role, but Clay Thompson is declining in front of our eyes. He's not He's not a great defender anymore. He's still, he's still, still trying to be active, but you know, when the body's starting to give out and the consistency is not there, it's hard to watch. Um, I don't know if you guys, even if you wanted to put him on the block to trade him, what his actual value would be on the open market. Um, so you would have to literally be able to possibly have to add more to that trade for somebody to be able to take on that responsibility. However, um, they're, they're, they're just not. I don't think that this particular Warriors team is as good as the previous teams just because of just because of attrition they're getting older you know like at some point they're not gonna be as good they're not gonna be the team that you know that they can be able to just bounce back like that they're it's gonna take them longer to be able to respond so maybe you'll see them win five games but then you'll also probably see them win lose four games in a row so they they'll, they'll probably maybe have this inconsistent stretch for for quite some time and might be and maybe like maybe kind of limp into the playoffs but once they get into the playoffs I think Golden State will be fine because they can be able to kind of you know reach into themselves and go for that experience uh they've been there before they know exactly what to expect um they have Chris Paul there hopefully he can stay healthy you know how I feel about that but um I think that's basically what it is I just don't see that this team is I, I just, it's, they're just old. They're just old. And yeah. sometimes you cannot stop father time. Sometimes, you know, it depends. Everybody can't be LeBron, but we've seen what other teams have looked like when they've aged and it, it doesn't really look good. You know, remember those Celtics teams before they blew it up and went to Brooklyn. Sure. Those guys were old. You saw what they looked like in Brooklyn. They were old, right? Still good players, but they were old. So, you know, all of that, th- those long playoff series, th- those 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 championship runs, it catches up to you after a while. And I think that's just where they are right now. Now, can they get to the playoffs? Absolutely. But I, I don't know how much noise they're going to be able to make, honestly. Yeah, I mean, kind of where I'm at with the team is I'm. You, you make a great point about Steve Kerr and and, and all coaches kind of ten ten game increments. Like, and that felt like last year. It felt like he was searching all eighty two games. Like, what yeah. the heck works? This just um, the thing. I this thing I would sort of counter with with Golden State is so the, the problem in the locker room's gone. Like, we don't have to worry about it, that anymore. There's no dissension yeah. between Draymond and anybody else uh, in, in that locker room. They're bigger by adding Sarge. Obviously, he's been he's been very good this season uh, as, as like a stretch four. 
And also, uh, you know, last year, I, I still maintain, like, Clay had a down season. Draymond, yeah. because a lot of the pool stuff had a down year. Pool was a, just an albatross around the team's neck off the bench yeah. and bad defensively. And yet all that, couple shots go in against the Lakers, they get to the Western Conference Finals. So, like, that's kind of – and I, I still maintain the Western Conference. There's three teams I trust. Denver's the clear front runner. Everybody's chasing them. Lakers-Warriors. Yeah. That Like, that's – I don't believe in Phoenix. Yeah. Sacramento I like, but still not enough experience. Like, they're like the anti-Warriors. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> like, that's – I mean, they even got a former Warriors coach, Mike Brown. It's true. Uh, he, what, what is, is Mr. Potato Head that what you call yes, Mike Brown? Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Yes. Potato Head, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Lakers, though, so they won last night in dominant fashion against uh, Utah. Uh, it feels like it has – maybe it's just because it's Thanksgiving week and we're talking a lot of football, but LeBron James has hit 39,000 points last night. He's – you know, you and I are both LeBron guys. We both think he's the GOAT. But uh, you you can obviously start with LeBron, start with the Lakers, wherever you want to take this. But where are you kind of at with the Lakers? Do you still think that they can be a, a legitimate threat in the Western Conference against a Denver, against a Warriors, Sacramento, anybody else? And just your take on LeBron's uh, unheard of longevity. Yeah, so for the first part, I, I do believe that they can be able to contend with Denver. I think the Lakers are very deep, but the problem is is that we haven't seen this team consistently be full strength all season so far. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is still hurt. Uh, you know, Rui Hachimura was out of the lineup for a little bit. Um, now you have Cam Reddish, who has a groin injury, right? You have so guys have just not been consistent. Anthony Davis was a little banged up as the sky is blue, right? Um, so once we get them all in and consistently playing, be healthy, get the rotation down, I think this team could be really, really good. Um, Torian Prince has struggled since October to hit a three. Um, he hasn't looked that great defensively. He hasn't looked that great as well. So they have some internal problems that they have to fix. He, his game has to get better. But, you know, they have a chance like anybody else, like you said, the Warriors or Suns or, you know, I think the Lakers are the second best team in the West. Obviously, you got to give it to the champs. But just like you said about your Warriors in regards to the ball dropping here or certain plays here in that series sure. against the Lakers, the same thing you can be able to say with the Lakers and the Nuggets. That series, mm -hmm. although it was a sweep, those games were close and it was decided by a few few plays here or there. So if you're a Lakers fan, if you're a Lakers management, you see that and you say, okay, how can we be able to get better in the margins? Well, they re-signed D'Lo. They have Austin Reeves locked up. They have um, Rui Hachimura. They have, um, you know, a lot of depth on this team. Can they be able to just stay healthy and right the ship and, and be consistent? Because they played well, but I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the, the Mavs tonight on a back-to-back. -back. They're, they're shorthanded. Uh, Luke has been playing out of his mind, so we'll see how, how that works. But, um, you know, they got a shot. I, I still don't trust AD. You know, I have I had a, a clip about him on my show, put it on YouTube, that he, he just is what he is. Like, we just need to stop comparing him to great players or whatever it is because he looks great against guys that are not as good as him and then guys that are on the same level or better than him. He shrinks. This is what he does. He will always be this, and it's only going to get worse as he gets older. He's not going to improve with age. He's going to get worse with age. So you got to strike while the iron's hot. If they can be able to get a, a, a nice championship run this year with LeBron, coin flip Davis. There you go. It, it's it, it's consistent, man. This is what he is. So, you know, I, I don't have much to say about him. Defensively, he's playing really good. Offensively, if you look at his numbers, yeah. But we know that when – he plays big-time competition. Anthony Davis does not rise to the occasion. Um, LeBron James, now, your second point of the question. Uh, 
I mean, what is there to say? Uh, the guy is, everybody thought that he'd be taking a back seat. He should be taking a back seat, but the guy has been playing phenomenal. The three ball has been dropping consistently. He's shooting over 40% from there. Uh, he looks, he looks, he looks healthy. I don't think, you know, in certain parts of last season, he was really healthy, especially in the Denver series. He didn't look fully, fully healthy. If we had this LeBron in that Denver series, I think we probably would have pushed it seven or who knows what would have happened, right? We can sure. play the what if game all we want. They lost, they, you know, we lost, they won. But um, LeBron has looked great. Uh, if they can be able to just, you know, keep him fresh, keep him healthy, you know, have Hachimura play a lot of the big minutes when they're playing bad teams and keep his minutes down and then, you know, let him play against the, 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 the tougher competition, elite competition, I think the Lakers will be fine. But, you know, LeBron is just, he's the ninth one of the world. That's what he is. Like, for people to think that that's the norm, that you can be able to keep your body, um, you know, healthy and this and that, genetics matter. And he's a genetic yeah. freak. Me and LeBron, Jay, I, I'm like a year younger than LeBron. And we are not the same genetic makeup. <laughs> we are just not. We are just not. So, you know, people just got to understand that, that he is just, he's just one of one. And, um, you know, all the shade that gets thrown his way, man, it, it's it's unnecessary. I've just seen Rashard McCants just say some nonsense on his show. Um, you know, a lot of people just continually take jabs at this guy when there's no reason to. Um, you know, he's a great player. We need to enjoy and 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 be witnesses to what we're seeing because we may not never see this ever again in sports. You know, we said that about Brady. That's probably true. We probably will never see another athlete like LeBron James. We probably won't. And, you know, again, we talked about what he did last year, year 21 or year 20. Now this year, obviously year 21. It's I heard somebody put this in the context like, that. you know, Udonis Haslam's gone. Andre Goddard has gone. He's the oldest player yeah in the league and he's yeah. still undoubtedly top five yeah that i mean that i i can't even really wrap my mind around that uh what he's been able to do uh, the longest the longest prime in history yeah that's what's crazy like i said a couple of years ago i'm like is he moving out of his prime or is this is this are we still in it? is this the end of his prime and then he's gonna have like two years where he's kind of like jordan and washington where right. he's still an effective player but not it's no, it's, 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 it's incredible what we're seeing. It's incredible what we're seeing before I let you get out of here. I, I do want to ask you, this is a totally off the cuff question, but I saw uh Stephen a was talking about in his show. Um, who's the goat strip weathers or lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. I agree. I mean, they're still tied, but you know, lightning McQueen is, is the guy, you know, if he didn't give up that, that last race to, to chick Hicks, he'd have eight. That's so. what I'm saying. He's a, he's a nice guy, right? He's he is. a nice guy, he but he, He's coming back. He's coming back for his title. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yes, sir. Barry Grant Jr., All Even Podcast. Check his show out uh, on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. And, yes, you are still the point leader in the 8 o'clock spot. And we'll see what happens moving forward. It's a tight, tight race right now. You let some people catch up. So it should be very, very fun. Happy Thanksgiving, my man. Talk to you later. My man, I'll talk to you. Yes, sir. Barry Grant Jr., great, great stuff, as always. Love having him on anytime we can. Uh, yeah, it's back to the LeBron thing. It, it, it's, I mean... Uh, we like Barry mentioned Brady is the only parallel that we have to this, but and it's not to say football, obviously football is a very violent sport. I once heard a coach say, I had a coach tell me one time, a basketball coach say that it is a football is a collision sport. We say, oh, football is a contact sport. No, basketball. Basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. Um, but now with new rules protecting the quarterback, Brady was always the best at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. You're seeing a lot of guys now kind of model what, what Tom has done in that regard. 
least LeBron still plays a sport where, especially at his size, his 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 length, his agility, everything, all things considered, you know, if if Bron's driving the basket, you got to grab him. You got to make sure you foul him hard if you don't want him to get the M one. Uh, so he still takes hits out there. Uh, it's it's incredible what we're watching with this guy right now. It's it's fantastic. Um, let's transition though to it's it's one of my favorite segments. We can get the the graphics up uh, super fly fast uh, because Bryson's best ten is 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 one of my favorite segments to do. Uh, it's, it's slowly become that. It's the first year we're doing it. Top ten teams uh, in the NFL. You know, last week it was funny. The top two teams for me were Kansas City, uh, Kansas City at two, and then Philadelphia at number one. So uh, it, it's fitting that those two are you know face each other the other night, and we got a great game. There's no question about that. But uh, let's go and start. We have the background music. Do we have it ready to go? I think we do. Is, is it there? All right. It is now time for Bryson's best ten going week twelve. We will start. At number 10, a team making their debut on Bryce's best 10. At number 10, stand up. Houston Texans are the 10th best team in the National Football League. And here is why. It A lot of it stems from the fact that they have probably the greatest rookie quarterback we've ever seen. And that's with respect to Dak Prescott. That's my guy. That's with respect to Ben Roethlisberger. That's with respect to Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert, who is spectacular as a rookie. What this kid is doing... Given what he inherited, this isn't not six shot of Brock Purdy. Because I thought Brock Purdy in limited action, despite that, should have been rookie of the year a season ago. It's not like he inherited the San Francisco 49ers roster. This wasn't a situation where somebody traded up to get him. No, no, no. Houston just sucked last year. If not for a last second Hail Mary against the Colts, they wouldn't, they, they would have had the number one pick in the draft uh, a season ago, or a draft ago. So what this kid is doing uh, is top 10 in all these categories, throws of 20 more yards down the field, completion percentage, uh, touchdown interception ratio. Now that did take a ding against the Arizona Cardinals because he did throw three interceptions. But Tank Dell has been a godsend, a third-round pick uh, for him. Obviously, Dalton Schultz has, has played well, really good tight end uh, for them. He's flourished along with him the way he did with Dak Prescott. For the record, this Texas defense is eight in the NFL at stopping the run. So they're kind of finding their way. D'Amico Ryans is right in the is smack dab in the middle of the coach of the year discussion. For this team, and I'm not just putting in the top ten relative to what our expectations were for them. Uh, listen, they've won three straight. You know, they've beaten Pittsburgh. They've beaten Jacksonville. They have a huge game against Jacksonville this week for first place at the AFC South. What Houston's doing right now is spectacular, and they are right now the 10th best team in the National Football League, making their Bryce's best 10 debut. At number nine, I want to speed through this one because I don't like it. Number nine, it's the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are the ninth best team in the NFL, and here is why. So, yes, yes, Browns fans, congratulations. You won your Super Bowl. You beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, an organization you've been chasing your entire existence in the Super Bowl era and will never catch. We know that, but that's, that's, we'll put that aside. Uh, Cleveland is unquestionably the best defense in the NFL. Number one against the pass. Miles Garrett is having an awesome season. 13 sacks. 13 sacks in 10 games. He's been getting to the quarterback consistently. He makes off. He's like, I compared Miles Garrett to Reggie White, where Reggie White back in the day would make Pro Bowl offensive linemen look silly. That is what Miles Garrett does on a week-to-week basis. I think he's this generation's Reggie White. Uh, what this Browns secondary has done, Jim Swartz, a great defensive coordinator. I've always been a big Kevin Stefanski guy. I think he's a really smart head coach uh, in Cleveland. You consider what they lost. They lost Nick Chubb. They've had injuries at time of their offense. David Njoku has a little bit of a bad case of the drops to a certain degree, but Amari Cooper's had a really good season, and they've been, you know, the loss of Deshaun Watson, I said it when he went down, felt bad for the guy, but... Are they getting that big of a dip in production with DTR? Uh, not really. So we'll see where the Browns go from here. They've signed Joe Flacco to the practice squad. Love their defense like 
a lot of their offensive pieces, in particular their, their offensive line, have major questions about quarterback. If they had, I don't know, if they had Russell Wilson, I would consider them a fringe top five team in the NFL. Uh, they obviously do not. The Browns are the ninth best team in the National Football League. At number eight, they do not move a spot from last week. It is the Minnesota Vikings. Like, wait, wait, wait a second, Bryson. They're the eighth best team in the NFL. Here's why. Wait a second, Bryson. They lost to Denver. They turned the ball over multiple times. Joshua Dobbs had the fumble, which, you know, in his defense, he was, you know, the guy who hit him was suspended four games. Uh, they had the fumble by Alexander Madison in the red zone into the third quarter. That was big. Cost the Vikings points in the game that they lost by one. Josh Dobbs threw a pick, but it was tipped. It was, it was, a, it was a Dak Prescott 2022 interception. Wasn't his fault. Tipped off somebody's hands. It was, it was, it was a bad, uh, bad break for Dobbs and for the Vikings offense. But again, starting with this defense, it's crazy to talk about the Vikings, all the pieces they have offensively, but defensively, they have been excellent going back to their five-game winning streak. And even in that game against the Broncos when Denver kept stalling, stalling, stalling in the red zone, which you could look at that as a skeptic and say, hey, Minnesota's giving up a lot of yards. Denver couldn't cash in. They finally did at the end. Russell to Cortland Sutton. But I like what this team's doing defensively. Brian Flores, who should be a head coach next year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I feel like it was done dirty in, in some of these MB, I'm sorry, these um these coaching uh, interviews. Dobbs is playing well. He'll bounce back. They play Chicago. They'll dominate Chicago. At least they should on Monday Night Football at home. Uh, Justin Jefferson will be back sooner rather than later. So for Minnesota, their offense is trending upwards. Their defense continues to trend upwards. I like Minnesota more than most. I'm not saying that I think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I don't think the Texans or the uh, the Browns are Super Bowl contenders either. So I've got the Vikings as the eighth best team in the National Football League. Two number seven. I do think this team is a Super Bowl contender. At number seven, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Moving up a couple of spots from last week. They were number nine after that dominating loss to the 49ers today. They are the seventh best team in the NFL, and here is why. Trevor Lawrence, 100 passer rating, well over 100 yard pa uh, 100 passer rating against the Tennessee Titans. The Jacksonville Jaguars offense looked fantastic. Calvin Ridley was effective throughout the afternoon. This Jaguars defense still number one in the NFL in takeaways with 20. So they take the football away. They put their offense in short field. Travis Etienne having a fantastic season. We know what Doug Peterson is, what his history is as a head coach in this league, Super Bowl champion with the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, Jacksonville, I, you know, it's crazy. Who, who'd have thought we'd have two top 10 AFC South teams, or at least as I see it, and two teams that unquestionably are fighting for number one for supremacy in that division on Sunday in Houston, Texas. Should be a fantastic matchup between Jacksonville and Houston, two, these two quarterbacks. I said Trevor would be the MVP before the season. That looks to be, albeit as Barry and I talked about, that does there doesn't look to be a clear front runner in that regard. Trevor maybe could make a late push, but if you think about the Jaguars, this is the part of the season where they got hot last year and made the playoffs. Jacksonville started 6-3. You know, everybody's like, oh, the sky's falling. Last year, they were 3-7, and seven, got in, and won a playoff game by a 27-0 comeback over the Chargers. I love Jacksonville. I think they're going to continue to get better year after year, and in this case, week after week. The Jaguars are the seventh-best team in the National Football League. This is going to be a controversial one. At number six, despite a win, they drop a spot. It is the Baltimore Ravens. You're like, wait a second, Bryson. Baltimore's sixth best team in the NFL. Here's why. Why is Baltimore sixth? I mean, Lamar Jackson playing well. Dominated Cincinnati, albeit Joe Burrow didn't play the entire second half, but took care of Cincinnati. Obviously, Bengals scored 20. It was a late touchdown that made the score a little, look a little bit better for the Bengals, uh, but overwhelmingly, their defense has dominated. They're top two in the NFL in scoring defense. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith having fantastic seasons. Lamar Jackson still on the fringe of the MVP discussion. There's no question about that, but again, this is the, my two concerns for the Ravens. 
I don't trust them in the fourth quarter. I've seen them blown 10 double-digit leads uh, in these games since 2020. So that's a concern. They obviously blew that lead to Cleveland. And the Mark Andrews injury. I know John Harbaugh said he couldn't come back. He could come back at some point this season. That is, I don't know if we recognize how big of an injury that is. The receiving core is better. Odell's playing better. Uh, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. I like the pieces they have there. Tom Munkin's done a fantastic job as their OC. Mark Andrews is Lamar Jackson's security blanket. That is a huge loss with the ankle injury against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see how the, the Ravens are able to adjust, but I'm telling y'all, that is, I know they got, the, I think they got the likely kid who's, who's Mark's backup. That's a massive loss. He's, we talk about Travis Kelsey, George Kitt, Mark Andrews in that discussion. He's as productive a tight end as there is in the NFL. Big loss for the Ravens. That's why I have them dropping a spot, but they still have incredible upside. They are very much a contender and leading in that brutal AFC North division. The Ravens are the sixth best team in the National. National Football League. At number five, moving up a spot from last week, it is the Detroit Lions. The Lions are the fifth best team in the NFL, and here is why. But before I even tell you, here's why. Uh, I don't think on Monday's show I did the whole soundbite that Dan Campbell does, or that I do for Dan Campbell and the Lions win. Here you go, Dan Campbell. Kneecap. 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 Caps were bitten in comeback fashion against the Chicago Bears. The, the, the Lions are playing poor offensively, poorly offensively. Uh, Jared Goff throws three interceptions. Two of them were like, what the heck are you doing? You would have thought the linebacker was the intended target on the play. They were so bad. But late game, down 12. There was a touchdown pass to Jamison Williams. They get a stop on Chicago and Justin Fields. Get the ball back. Drive it quickly down the field. And, and, and David Montgomery punches it in for the game-winning touchdown. And Detroit gets to 8-2. Their best start, I think, since 1964. It's either 62 or 64. Early 60s, essentially. Uh, it's been, very, been a very long time since the Lions have been this good. They are averaging 32 points per game at home. Big matchup tomorrow against the Green Bay Packers. I'll predict that game in just a second. But to Detroit is humming offensively. Defensively, they've fallen off a little bit in the last month. So it's a little bit of a concern. But they can score the best teams in the NFL. And at home, they are darn near unstoppable on the offensive side of the football. The Lions are the fifth best team in the National Football League. At number four, everybody's panicking on them. Let's, let's hold our horses a little bit. The fourth best team in the NFL is the defending champs. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. And here is why. Like I said to start the show, as bad as, as bad as rough, I should say it's bad. They lost the Eagles. As rough of a loss as that was to Philadelphia, all the drop passes, Casey leading the NFL in drops, the Mahomes interception, the Kelsey fumble, uh, uh, Andy Reid struggling. This is the last. This is three straight weeks for Kansas City that they have gone scoreless in the second half of games. So a little bit of an adjustment problem potentially for Andy Reid and the Chiefs' offensive staff. All of these problems in Kansas City, they are more than capable of fixing. Mahomes the best quarterback in the league. Reed's the best coach in the league. Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. And one could argue the Chiefs very well may have the best defense in the league. Number three in the NFL in scoring defense. And facing a Kansas City, off, I'm sorry, a Philadelphia offensive line that we all hold in very high regard. They got future Hall of Famers in that line with Kelsey and with, with Lane Johnson. They've been spectacular this season and for a, a long time in the NFL. Kansas City, again, as I said earlier, worked them. Four more sacks than Philadelphia had. Chris Jones had a massive night. Really was the best player in the field, I think, from start to finish in that football game. This is not panic mode. If there's any team that can get their offensive woes fixed, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. I still believe in them, and I think they're the best team in the AFC. I really do. I think they're still the favorites. Vegas would reflect that. 
to get to the Super Bowl, and I believe win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, though, today are the fourth best team in the National Football League. At number three, moving up a spot from last week, it is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, the third best team in the National Football League, and here's why. Dak Prescott, since that loss to the San Francisco 49ers, has been nothing short of spectacular. I laid out his stats earlier. Pass rating well over uh, 100. He's actually top three. I think top three in the NFL in pass rating. He's number two in, in QBR. He's second in the NFL in completion percentage to, to Brock Purdy. Uh, he's also pro football focuses number one ranked quarterback. Number one highest graded quarterback, rather. That's how they, they put it uh, for this season. I think he has a grade of about 89, so he's been spectacular. CeeDee Lamb has been nothing short of remarkable as well. Pro Bowl level season last year. Got better, improved this season, uh, and is now in the discussion as one of the best receivers in the league with A.J. Brown, with, with Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, among others. This Cowboys defense, listen, I've got on Micah Parsons at times. I'm like, man, you haven't been quite as as impactful as guys like Watt, as guys like Miles Garrett and company. Like, I need to see, see that type of production. He said, hey, I got you. Multiple sack game against the Carolina Panthers. Dallas took care of business. Obviously, I'll predict their game in just a second tomorrow against the Washington Commanders. But this offense is top is is humming. I think top two in the NFL in scoring. Dax uh, Dax on playing the best football he ever has in his career squarely in the MVP conversation. Ceedee Lamb's been excellent. I'd like to see them establish a little bit more of a run game, but I love what I'm seeing for their offensive line in pass pro. Love what Dallas is doing right now. I still think they're going to get to the Super Bowl uh, and, and represent the NFC. But today they are the third best team in the National Football League. At number two, it is the San Francisco 49ers up a spot from last week. San Francisco number two in the National Football League. And here's why. They are the Mike Tyson of the National Football League. This is what they do. When they build a lead on you, it is over. Like I said earlier, when San Francisco gets up on you, just chalk it up as an L, move on to next week, go at halftime. Don't worry about second half adjustments. Get your game plan ready for your next game. Because when San Francisco hits you in the mouth, they take that momentum and they just run you through. That's what they do. Brock Purdy leading the NFL in passer rating, leading in, in completion percentage. Uh, he's been spectacular. Yards per attempt. I mean, Brock Purdy is, is uh, you know, listen, we get such an, we get in such a weird discussion with Purdy about uh, is he elite? Uh, is he in the MVP discussion? Well, he's not even the best player on his offense. Yeah, but he's productive. You say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is productive. Mm -mm. The trust that Kyle Shanahan has in Purdy far exceeds the trust that he had in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, the trust he has in Purdy exceeds what he had in Jimmy Garoppolo. They pushed the ball down the field more in San Francisco. Brock Purdy, if you look at the advanced stats, is up there in, in is, is top 10 in the NFL in terms of a tight window throws. So he can make the big time throws when he has to. The only knock on this team is they're not great playing from behind, which is a legitimate claim and a legitimate uh, you know gripe that I, I have with them. Uh, whether or not they can improve on that, we'll see over the course of the season. But we know the great coach Shanahan is and, and what Brock Purdy is doing. Christian McCaffrey having a great year. Trent Williams still at this stage of his career, the best left tackle in the National Football League. My only concern, as great as this 49ers defense is, talked about the Mark Andrews injury. This one not quite as impactful as the Andrews one, but Talanoa Hufunga, done for the season, seasoning, I think it was an ACL Achilles, lower body injury, but Talanoa Hufunga, who I, I've raved about for a year on this show, love him, gone for the season, which is a brutal loss for the 49ers. Uh, whether or not they'll be able to, to, 
bounce back in, in, in the secondary from a production standpoint remains to be seen. But in terms of the roster, I think it's the best of football. Shanahan's a great coach. Brock is ha- Purdy's having a great year. The Niners are the second best team in the National Football League. And that means at number one for a second straight week, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are the best team in the NFL today. And here's why. I mean, look, first of all, not only do they have the best record, but the offensive stats uh, back it up. They're top 10 in virtually every category. Rush yards per game. Uh, Jalen Hurts is in the MVP discussion. Their pass offense is incredible. And again, what I love, I don't listen, I don't love the Eagles. Never have, never will. But what I love about how they do things, how they do business in Philadelphia, how they execute games on Sundays, or in this case on Mondays, is man, when things aren't going, this is to me what separates them from San Francisco. When things aren't going their way, they, they're able to adjust. They can beat you multiple different ways. If we need to run the football, if we need to throw the football through the air, if we need to have a good defensive performance, it was kind of a mix of all of those things to a certain extent, particularly in the fourth quarter and in the second half in totality against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's a well-coached team with Nick Sirianni. They're, they're great situationally. Jalen Hurts right in the MVP discussion. Today, as we sit here, the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFL, and I, I don't love it. I don't love it. Not my ranking. I feel confident in them being the best team. I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Philadelphia, Cleveland, Alabama football. Those fans get on my nerves. Those fans get on my nerves. Okay, they do. I'll tell you what, though. Again, it can't be said enough. Like winning ugly in the NFL. Like that is a that is a skill. That is not something that is just. You know, every team's able to do, again, Dallas kind of has to win a certain way. Detroit, San Francisco even, kind of has to win a certain way. Uh, you know, Kansas City in the past did before they had a good defense. But, you know, that's that's where we're at with the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's why I have them at, uh, at number one. We have some games in the NBA uh, tonight. Again, I mentioned my Warriors play the Suns. The NBA does a great job. Because they know the NFL is is always has and always will dominate the, the 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 ratings, but the NBA always tends to put together a pretty solid schedule for the uh, for the day before Thanksgiving. Because obviously NBA doesn't play on Thanksgiving, but you've got uh, obviously my Warriors play the Suns. It's a big game tonight in Phoenix. You've got you've got Bucks Celtics at seven thirty. It well seven thirty. It's it's that's literally what we're at now. It's about to be seven thirty. It's a huge game in the Eastern Conference between the top two teams. There, Heat Cavs is a fun one. Sixers Timberwolves two ten win teams this early in the season facing off. Very fun matchup uh, from the from from the Twin Cities in Minnesota. You got Kings Pelicans. You got Clippers Spurs with Wimby. Fun day in the NBA. Mavs, Lakers, great day. The NBA does a great job of putting together some pretty solid games the day before uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, I'll again, I'll, my most my eyes will primarily be on ESPN with 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 Bucks and Celtics, and then obviously tonight with my Warriors against Phoenix. But fun day in the NBA. Fun day in the NBA. No question about that. But um, we also have uh, some some great Thanksgiving games. I'm getting the graphics pulled up right now. And the Black Friday game, first time in NFL history that we have a Black Friday uh, contest. Uh, here we go. Got them right there. Okay. So, sorry about the little delay there. But again, Black Friday action on Friday. And now announcement for carving it up uh, Friday's show a little later. But some Thanksgiving action tomorrow. Get the background music back on. Some Thanksgiving Day football starting in Detroit. You got the Green Bay Packers and a good old-fashioned NFC North clash between the Green Bay Packers 
and the Detroit Lions. A little bit of an earlier kickoff than usual. It's Thanksgiving Day. Obviously, Detroit every year plays on Thanksgiving. The Lions are favored minus seven and a half over the Packers, who are coming off a big-time home win against the Los Angeles Chargers. That was my upset of the week. So thank you very much, Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur and everybody in Green Bay for pulling through for me. But Detroit is absolutely red hot right now. Again, 8-2 and two on the season, second in the NFC right now in terms of seeding, leading that NFC North division by a pretty wide margin, even over Minnesota, sitting there at second. Green Bay over the last couple of weeks has seemed to find a little bit of an offensive identity. The problem with that is Aaron Jones is out for this game and could be out for the future. They also had another running back go on IR. Luke Musgraves tight in down on IR. So Jordan Love's missing a lot of weapons. He'll still have Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs, he seems to have a really nice connection with. I noticed that even back in week one when they played Chicago. I don't listen. I don't think Jordan Love's the long-term answer in Green Bay. I'm not real sure the Packers think he's the long-term answer. They may draft a quarterback. I think that'd be the smarter option to go with uh, this offseason, depending on how Jordan Love looks uh, through the last couple months of the season. Green Bay is kind of the last team looking in, or the, the, the first team on the outside looking into the playoffs, but it's by a couple of games uh, when you look at where Minnesota's sitting at, so in Seattle as well. So Green Bay, if they want any shot at making the playoffs, they got to find a way to steal a game in Detroit, which is, by the way, Detroit swept them last year, beat them badly at Lambeau Field on a short week. So the matchup tends to favor Detroit. Again, I mentioned earlier, the Lions averaging 32 points per game at home, so they're great at home. I think they're to come one short of their season average and score 31. I got the Detroit Lions winning this game. 31 to 20 over their division rival Green Bay Packers. And for the second straight year, they sweep the Packers and they will move to nine and two. Kneecaps and turkeys. Turkey kneecaps will be bitten. Do turkeys have kneecap? I guess they do. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Not going to pretend to, to be one. Or bio, uh, not bio, just a, a veterinarian. Anyways, uh, move past turkeys, okay? You'll see plenty of those tomorrow. It is now time, second straight year we have done this. It is time for the Gobble It Up Game of the Year. The Gobble It Up Game of the Year features an NFC East clash, the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys from Jerry Well. Dallas, big home favorite, where we heard this one before, minus 12 and a half. So Washington, Washington's a funny team, man. Like that's, they're the four-win team. I think Dallas you know, probably feels this way, maybe a you know, little, little on edge, you know, given the expectations and whatnot. And Thanksgiving Day, we know how that goes. But Washington, four and seven. But you know, a couple plays go their way. Maybe they're, they're they're in a better spot. On the other side of that coin, they have been simply awful against awful teams. They got swept, swept by the New York Giants. Quarterbacked in one game by Tyrod Taylor, and quarterbacked in another game by Danny. I mean Tommy DeVito. Lost by twenty to the Bears, Chicago Bears at home, mind you. So it's been a really weird season. Ron Rivera probably in the hot seat. Uh, as for Dallas, they're on the absolute, the opposite side of that spectrum. They're clicking offensively. Dak Prescott's playing unbelievable football as a CD lamb. Uh, maybe they develop a little bit more of a run game. At least I'd like to see that over these last couple months of the season going into the playoffs. Dallas is chasing Philly right now. They need, they do not control their own destiny for that NFC East title. They need Philly to lose one of their next few games, probably against Buffalo or against San Francisco. Maybe a shot in the dark against Seattle. Uh, maybe that happens, but Dallas knows. They got to win these games. They got to win the games that they're supposed to win. And outside of Arizona, they have. They dominated New England, dominated the New York Jets, dominated the Giants twice, dominated the Carolina Panthers. So they have done a great job at a little San Francisco 49ers-esque at when they have the advantage on you, they put their foot on your neck and do not give you any uh, room for air. So doing what they've been doing to, uh, offensively. Dak's been great. The, night, the commander's defense, coached by a defensive head coach and Ron Rivera, have not been good at all. Bottom of the league. At the bottom. Last. 30 seconds. 
dead last in scoring defense. I think Dallas is going to throw a party. That's why I've got it as the gobbled-up game of the year. It will be the most watched regular season game of the NFL season as it tends to be every season. Give me the Cowboys to cover minus 12.5, 42-17. I think Micah Parsons and this Cowboys defensive line will eat, uh, not just after the game, their Thanksgiving dinner, but during this game against a really bad Washington offensive line and Dallas' offense led by Rain. Dakota Prescott, I will be saying those words a little bit louder than that on Friday's show. And listen, that game's on Thanksgiving Day in front of the whole country. Everybody's going to see what Randy Dakota Prescott's got in store for the entire country. And by Friday's show, Dak Prescott, Prescott may be leading, leading the MVP discussion. Cannot wait to see what Dak does. Finally, the last Thanksgiving Day game before we move to the Black Friday game features an NFC West matchup. All of these games, all Thanksgiving and Black Friday games, all divisional matchups. This one features the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco on the road is favored uh, minus seven and a half. So the 49ers after that three-game skid against the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals have played outstanding football against the two Florida teams, the Jaguars and the uh uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, the Dolphins were from Florida, but you get where I'm coming from. Brock Purdy leading the NFL in passer rating. The Snyder's offense getting Trent Williams back during the bye, getting Debo Samuel back during the bye. Christian McCaffrey was kind of beat up, kind of nicked up, coming back after the bye, ready to go. This 49ers defense, again, I mentioned it, did lose Talanoa Hufunga, which I think is a much bigger loss than people are giving it credit for. But Chase Young has looked very comfortable in Wash. I'm sorry, in um in San Francisco. Nick Bosa is having another a solid season. This Niners front seven is amongst the best, if not the best, in the NFL. As for Seattle, this is a sneaky, massive game for the Seahawks. Because if you look at they've lost, they lost last week to the to the Los Angeles Rams. If you look at where Seattle's at right now, yeah, they're six and four. Yeah, there's a pretty good cushion between them and the rest of the, the the teams that are hoping to get in the playoffs on the outside looking in. You look at Seattle's upcoming schedule, folks. It is brutal. Tomorrow, obviously, they play the the 49ers. Then they they got to go to Dallas on the Thursday night. They got to go to San Francisco after that. Then they got Philly coming to town. So these next four games, uh, these next four uh, five games rather, four games, five games, four games uh, for this for the for, uh, Seattle Seahawks are absolutely massive in terms of their hopes to get back to the postseason. Geno Smith having an okay year, but nothing close to what he was in 2022 when he led the league in passer rating. I just think Seattle, Geno's injured. They're kind of reeling a little bit offensively. Don't really have much of an identity, which is rare under Pete Carroll. Uh, I think the 49ers are the best roster in the NFL. Against the divisional matchup, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle won. That said, I'm going to go with San Francisco to cover. I got all of these teams covering on Thanksgiving Day on Turkey Day. And the 49ers win 27-16. to And Brock Purdy, George Kittle, and company will be having those NBC turkey legs after the game is over. Normally, in years past, that'd be it for predictions. But we got one more game, a Black Friday game at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, between the, Again, this is an AFC East matchup. The Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Again, a big, big rogue favorite. Dolphins minus 9.5. So... Miami, listen, they, they, they're they struggling a little bit offensively. They had a rough game against the Kansas City Chiefs before the bye, which, look, it's in Germany. Kansas City's a great defense. So you kind of just, you kind of write that one off. But against the Raiders defense, which has been playing better as of late uh, under Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach, but has kind of been 
a little dicey. Miami scoring 20, uh, only 20. Uh, Tua Tungabailoa had a QBR 0 to 138 and threw an interception that game. But Tyreek Hill was awesome, 146 yards receiving on 10 catches. It looks like, according to him, that he will play against a New York Jets defense and team in general that is just reeling. The offensive line is amongst the worst, if not the worst, in all of football. Zach Wilson, who was the worst quarterback in the league, although Mac Jones made a pretty compelling case, uh, has been benched for Tim Boyle. And if you look at Tim Boyle's college numbers, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. And yet, he's buddies with Aaron Rodgers. He's carved out his way in the NFL in that regard. So he's going to be starting this game. I think he's going to be overwhelmed. Miami's defense, we talk about Miami's offense, a little tailing off a little bit. But Miami's defense is playing incredible football. Vic Fangio is the, is the defensive coordinator. Uh, you, you look at what Jalen Ramsey's done. I saw this stat. He's allowing a pass rating when targeted. He has three interceptions and a pass rating given up of zero. Goose egg. So when you throw to Jalen Ramsey, only bad things happen. He's been playing outstanding football. I thought he was washed after L.A., and he had a rough season last year. Looks like, I guess, maybe that Miami sunshine, not that L.A. doesn't have it, obviously, but that Miami sunshine maybe is all he needed uh, to get going. Uh, I think it's going to be a dominant win for the Dolphins. I'm going to go with 31-10. to 10. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the Jets have. They have no answers offensively. Again, we saw Buffalo put up, I think, 32 on the same Jets defense. The Dolphins will be set up in a lot of short fields. So I will take the Miami Dolphins 31-10 to 10 over the New York football Jets uh, from the Meadowlands. Uh, I think Miami is absolutely clicking uh, defensively. Hopefully, they're able to in this game uh, offensively. And I, I just, uh, what what reason do I have for the Jets to to be anything this year? Seriously, they're at a rough spot. Normally on this show, uh, carving it up. Normally, once I'm done with predictions, because during the football season, I basically always have a game to predict every show until the playoffs, or at least until Thursday night football is over. So it's Thanksgiving Day, uh, or day before Thanksgiving Day, predict the Thanksgiving games, in this case, the Black Friday game. What, do people, not, to, not just an aside, do people still go all in on Black Friday the way they I remember they used to? I mean, obviously, Online shopping was a thing thing then, but it is now. You got Amazon, you got all these. By the way, you got these websites. Yeah, we have Cyber Monday. They, they give you Black Friday deals on websites. So it kind of just, it, it's like you get Cyber Friday almost. Cyber Friday and I, I, I don't know. But uh, I listen, I've never been a big Black Friday fan. Uh, Black Friday for me is sleeping in after watching a lot of football. You know, eating the leftovers, eating some pumpkin pie. Oh, it was sent from the heavens. I love pumpkin pie. Uh... I mean, just chilling. I, I usually TNT would have like the match. In this case, I'll watch the. I'll be watching the the game between the Dolphins and the Jets. Like Black Friday is a just a chill day. You know, we're off school and just you know chilling. Black. I can't imagine after the hustle and bustle of Thanksgiving Day, you're like, okay, let's let's hope it again on Black Friday. But listen, to each their own. Everybody has their own personal preferences. I respect that. But uh, I'm a Cyber Monday guy. That's 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 how I operate. It's how I roll. But normally, we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Normally, after predictions, the show is over, but it is Thanksgiving Day, and there are a few things that I wanted to detail in terms of the things that I am thankful for uh, this Thanksgiving Day. So again, one more time, put the background music on. Uh, there are five things uh, in the world of sports that I am very thankful for. Actually, you know what? Check that for a second. I don't think that, that, that uh, I don't think we need uh, music for this, you know? Because you hear Halloween music, it's spooky Christmas music uh, that we'll have in the future for you. But Thanksgiving music, it's it's supposed. It, it, I don't. Is there a Thanksgiving song? I mean, maybe the Peanuts and stuff like that. But eh. no background music. That's what we'll do. I, I thought I wanted to put music in initially, but after hearing it, given the the vibe of this segment, let's just no background music here. 
Let's make it nice and intimate and special. So five things in the world of sports that I am thankful for this Thanksgiving. A lot of these things are recent. They've happened uh, within the last 365. So I'll start with the first thing in sports that I am very thankful for this Thanksgiving season is the MLB pitch clock. I have been calling for something along these lines, maybe even explicitly the MLB pitch clock, but I am just beyond excited that Rob Manfred is as questionable commissioner as he can be at times implemented this. Uh, if you look at the attendance, it has improved the attendance in a massive way, this pitch clock, because games have gone. Last season, the games averaged uh, being about three hours and six minutes. Now they've gone to about two hours and 42 minutes on average. So it's cut the games by almost a half hour in terms of time, which has resulted in an almost 10% increase uh, in attendance to these ballparks and the big largest uh, you know, attendance of the MLB season since 2020, uh, 2017. Rather. Uh, listen, Baseball can be a slow sport. Uh, I know I love baseball. It can be kind of dead, you know, the pitcher and the, and the hitter doing their you know, superstitious stuff, you know, spitting on the old gloves, you know, rubbing them. Or I know Dust Pedroy used to have like an interesting like thing he would do like with his face uh, at the plate at times. You know, pitchers are very, very, uh, which all baseball players are very uh, superstitious. This has kind of eliminated some of that. It's like, let's just get on with the game. We do this in football. We do this in basketball. We do this in soccer. Like, let's get on with the game. Let's play the game. It puts, it's a better product for the fans. Clearly, they responded well to it. Again, largest attendance baseball's had in, in the last half decade and a 10% increase, almost 10% increase in attendance from 2022. So, listen, the pitch clock has been a great addition to Major League Baseball. I absolutely love it. And uh, that's well, the first thing I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving. Number two, Second thing I'm thankful for, Dak Prescott being a serious MVP candidate uh, this season. I am absolutely, I love this. You guys know I have been a Dak guy since day one, since the from the jump. Uh, I believed in him since his days at Mississippi State. Uh, I've always thought he could be a special player in this league uh, with the Dallas Cowboys and really with anybody else. Uh, but Dak has been spectacular this year. Obviously, one of the best in terms of touchdown and interception ratio. Uh, pass rings off the charts and QBR is, is, is incredible. Uh, third in the NFL, second, sorry, second in the NFL in terms of QBR. QBR and a number one pro football focus, highest graded quarterback. So Dak's been great. He's been, he's, he's been lining it up in terms of, uh, you know, through the air. And even he's been more active using his legs. Love what Dak's doing this year. I mean, the fact that we don't have a clear MVP front runner. I've talked about that all show today. You know, is it Stroud? Is it Dak? Is it Hurts? Mahomes probably not right now. A lot of people like Lamar Jackson or non-quarterbacks, Tyree Kill, Miles Garrett. But just the fact that we're at Thanksgiving and finally, the, the masses are seeing in Mr. Prescott what I've seen since his college days, since he was writing papers, you know, for, for class. Uh, seeing what Dak is doing is, is, is incredible. It's, it's awesome to see. And so having that, that's, that's the number two thing I'm, I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving day. Dak Prescott being in the MVP discussion. Number three, it's an NBA thing, and I love it. The NBA in-season tournament has been fantastic uh, for the National Basketball Association. Uh, when you look at just the intensity of these games, how much players are buying in to to what this means. Again, there's a lot of confusion, not from Steph Curry. He had a soundbite recently where he just basically explained it in about 30 seconds. Very summed it up very, very well. But I, I have been complaining. Every NBA fan has been complaining. Like, man, there's no sense of urgency. The regular season doesn't matter. It's all about the playoffs. But if, if the NBA is reduced to only two months to April, May, and June, as great as those are, those games are watched more than any of any of the other uh, regular season games. Man, we want, we want something to look forward to other than just 
Who's the MVP? Who's the MVP? The occasional solid all-star game. Uh, the, the once in a blue moon these days, good dunk contest. And hopefully Commissioner Silver will look to upgrade on that. But that's that's one thing I've always, that's why I think Adam Silver's the best commissioner in the NBA. When you look at his ability to adjust, uh, to, to look at things that maybe aren't working so well and say, you know what, I'm going to try and make them better. I'm going to try and make this league a better overall product. So hats off to Adam Silver. Hats off to the NBA players. I think the product that they're putting out right now with this in-season tournament, I can't wait for Vegas. I mean, once we get to semifinals, finals, like to see these guys in December, whoever the top two teams are, to see what these two teams and the, how the coaching, the game plan is going to be going in terms of their, uh, you know, the intensity they bring for a, a game in December. It's going to be awesome to see and um, good for the National Basketball Association doing what they've been doing. Uh, so I think they are uh, they're winning right now. Okay, that's the third thing I'm thankful for this uh, this Thanksgiving is the in-season tournament in the NBA. Staying in the NBA, the, the number four thing I'm most thankful for is the fact that LeBron, KD, and Steph Curry are still dominating the league, still dominating the league at this stage of their career. So obviously LeBron, first and foremost, we should start with him. Age 38, he's going to be 39 years old in a month. What he is doing is simply ridiculous. Ridiculous. LeBron averaging 25 points a game, eight rebounds, six and a half assists on 58% shooting. He's been off the charts efficient uh, this season. LeBron's been fan uh, fantastic. He's still, I still believe, you could fight me on this one, the best player in the Lakers because Anthony Davis' consistency it's, leaves a lot to be desired at times. So LeBron's been incredible. It's the Lakers. It's been the story of LeBron's career. They cannot survive it. He's off the floor. But LeBron in year 21 is still a top five player in the league. An argument can be made that's the same case with Kevin Durant, who's averaging 31-7-6 and six on 53% shooting. And KD more perimeter-oriented than LeBron James in terms of his scoring more of a mid-range guy, more you know, better three-point shooter historically than LeBron has been. But KD, like I feel like this hasn't been talked about enough because LeBron's doing what he's doing. Folks, KD's in year 17. Like he's in year 17, he's 35 years old, in year 17, doing what he's doing. Still clearly one of the best players in the league. Still clearly the the biggest reason, the focal point of the Phoenix Suns in terms of what we think they can do, why a lot of folks think that the Suns can be cha uh, championship contenders. Love what Kevin Durant's doing on a, from an offensive perspective. And of course, I cannot forget about Mr. Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second of my Golden State Warriors, averaging 30 points a game on, again, Steph, we know him as the greatest shooter ever, Couple, couple of percentage points shy on, on the field goal percentage, overall field goal percentage of having a 50-40-90 NBA season. He's been spectacular this season. He's been obviously the reason the Warriors uh, have, have had any success that they've had this year. So seeing what these guys are doing, Steph in year 15, by the way, same age as KD, 35. Seeing what these guys, to think that 2017 NBA Finals, these were the three guys, the three best players on the planet. LeBron, KD, Steph, seeing what they've been doing. And I think that six years later, really seven seasons later, uh, or a season later, rather, if you look at it, uh, what they're doing at this stage of their career is fantastic. I love to see it. Steph, Katie, and LeBron dominating at this stage in their career is the number four thing I'm most thankful for this Thanksgiving. And number uh, number five, and really the thing I'm most thankful for overall, because it's like a big weight off my back, I have a team that I can root for. I have a team. I, I capitalized that there for the podcast audience, those listening. Team is in all caps right there. Uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Again, I announced it. 
uh, at the end of July's show because I was a Dallas Cowboys fan for a long time. I've told the story before. And when Jerry Jones lowballed Dak Prescott, didn't give him the contract extension, and then Dak has had the season-ending ankle injury. It's why I'm so thankful Dak's the MVP discussion. That's why it was on this list. I was like, you know what? I'm done with the Cowboys. I'll pull for Dak. I'll always root for Dak wherever he plays. Even if you were to play for the Eagles one day, I'd still pull for Dak. That's uh, that, that shows my allegiance and loyalty to, to Randy Cota Prescott. But uh, I'm like... After the playoffs last year, I'm thinking, I, I need a team. Like, I need a team that I can live and die by, and that's who the Pittsburgh Steelers are. I had a long six-month process. Who's the team? Pittsburgh just felt right. Great culture, great coach, really good roster. Uh, they have, have a great rosters historically. Six Super Bowl titles tied for most all-time, and not to mention an amazing, amazing fan base waving, waving these good old-fashioned terrible towels every Sunday, Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if necessary. Uh, lo love what the Steelers have have represented over the course of NFL history, and I'm very a very proud Steelers fan. So the Steelers, uh, that is the number five thing I'm most thankful for this Thanksgiving. Again, these are not ranked. These are not like it's like fifth best to number one best. Like that's not what we're doing. But uh, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm thankful for uh, on this turkey day on this Thanksgiving holiday. Recap real quick: the five things most thankful for this Thanksgiving. The MLB pitch clock, Dak Prescott being a serious MVP uh, candidate, the in-season tournament in the NBA, LeBron, KD, and Steph still dominating the NBA at this stage of their careers, and I have a team that I can root for. A team, I want to emphasize that, team that I can root for. It's great. And with that, on this Thanksgiving show, thank you all so much for tuning in. That is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live. Very important announcement. On Friday at 7.30 Eastern, an hour and a half later, reason we're doing that is I want to give that game time to uh, the game between the Jets and the Dolphins to end, get my notes ready, you know, react to it on the show. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the Thanksgiving game. So Carving It Up will not kick off, will not start at 6 Eastern. It will start at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific time right here on YouTube and on Twitter. Same place you can find the show. But we'll be back on Friday to recap all of Thanksgiving's action and predict the rest of Week 12's NFL action, among other stories in the world of sports, I'm sure. And also, be sure to like, share, comment, take two seconds out of your day, hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers uh, by Super Bowl 58. We've surpassed 500. So we're getting there. We're, we're, we're building it. So you know, to see the, you know, people really buy into the show and this product is, has been incredible to watch. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So if you have subscribed, thank you. Thank you so much. Please, please, please tell your friend, tell everybody at Thanksgiving, tell everybody about this show called carving up live and tell them to subscribe. I cannot tell you how much I would appreciate it. And if you haven't subscribed, Hey, red, big red subscribe button down there, right there, hit it. Boom. You're part of the carving it up family. Also, just as important, go subscribe to the grid network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Got some great content creators at a very fun 8 o'clock spot last night. Be sure to check that show out on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time on the Grid's YouTube and Twitter account. Thanksgiving, love this week, as I said, to start the show. Cannot wait for some football tomorrow, for some family, some food. Uh, hey, nothing better than Thanksgiving. So enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Spend your Thanksgiving weekend weekend. Spend time with friends and family. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out.
And ham's better than turkey. I don't care what anybody says. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.